Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse, episode 304. I am Peter, and unfortunately Matt is not here. Uh, the betrayal, the, the cheek, the absolute gall of that man to celebrate his wedding anniversary instead of being on the show this week is appalling. I, I just don't understand it. It is. I'm pretty sure he's in a cabin in the woods. He was. I think he's actually just got home today, but he was in a cabin mm. for most of the week, yes. Uh, he did send in some pretty in-depth thoughts on all the books he read, though, with ratings, and he picked stuff for the end of the show, so he put in the work. Jesus, he did more work than me, by the sounds of it. Aye. Um, so, clearly <laughs> spent a lot of time being romantic on his uh, anniversary I, I, vacation. I, I happen to know how much hockey he watched. <laughs> <laughs> so he read his comic, wrote paragraphs for each, watched several hockey games. Was there any time spent with a wife? Like, <laughs> was it? <laughs> I, I believe the word you're looking for is allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> was she on the trip? <laughs> yeah, yes, also I, allegedly. Yeah, I've, um, I've seen no evidence though. Yeah, Connor's also here if that's the, the send obvious. Yeah, yeah. At this point, well, it's your, it's your. I can't call it triumphant return. You've never been triumphant in your whole life, but that can be triumphant. Uh, you've not been I triumphant. Tried. Yeah, just because you played the trumpet doesn't make you triumphant. <laughs> okay, never played the trumpet either. Maybe I should. Well, that's just, you're just even more of a failure. You don't even play the trumpet. I don't know. You played the violin, which is perfect. Because what do people play when you're sad and pathetic? You play a sad little tiny violin. Yeah, well, I play a full-size one, so screw you. <laughs> not actually full-size. You're quite small, so it looks full-size on you, but... It... I'm actually not small, thank you very much. <laughs> I know, but I'm just trying... I'm, I'm making the joke work, okay? <laughs> no, 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 I'm not letting you. If you're Car... going to do that, you're going to stick to the facts. Carter's four foot five, which is a really mm -hmm. awkward height because he's not like a, you know he's not a, a you know a legal dwarf, but he's also totally not full size. What's that? How tall are you? Uh, five ten. Why? Damn it! I wanted to say I was taller than you then, just just to be smug, but I'm the same height. Damn it! I uh, yeah, give, give or take half an inch. So maybe you may be slightly taller. Maybe like a little no, smidge. No, maybe. Uh, I don't really care. I mean, the whole point is just to make the joke about the violin being yeah, no, small. That's but just I'm, all. I'm not. I'm not allowing it. Oh, bloody hell! This is a DC Comics podcast, everyone. Welcome to the show. Uh, coming up on this week's episode, we'll be discussing the Free Comic Book Day Dark Crisis Special. Uh, or I mean, the title's kind of like that. It's, it's just those words. They might be in a different order, but just go with it. Uh, but uh, we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're talking about Batman issue 1, 2, 3, Flashpoint Beyond issue 1, Batman Killing Time issue 3, Task Force Z issue 7, and then it is Patreon catch-up week. Because Connor's not been here for a couple of weeks. I had a busy week of books last week, uh, so we both have two each to talk about. So Connor's going to talk about Harley Quinn 14, uh, I'm going to talk about American Vampires 25, Connor's going to talk about Noctera issue 8, and then I'm going to talk about Animal Man issue 19. So it's a, it's a very, very mixed Patreon slate at the end of the week. Uh, but it's a quieter week for the new book, so honestly it kind of works out uh, to, to do a big batch I'm, of them. I'm kind of glad because I, I didn't read any of the books from the last two weeks that I wasn't here yet. So I had a, a good stack to read today. Hmm. I, I I still haven't read all of them. I read the I, I prioritized. I read the ones. Right, well, I, I assume you read the Shadow War issues because you were reading. Batman. I did, and I and I read the uh, the Justice League issue. Oh yes, yes, Death of the Justice mm. League. Yes. So I'll, I'll save my thoughts on that for when we're talking about the uh, the free comic book day special. Oh sure, because it kind of it's more relevant there, I suppose. Ah uh, yeah, yeah, it ties it. It falls on from it in a way. Yes. 
Yeah. Uh, so that that is what's coming up on the show this week. Uh, so a bit of a weird hodgepodge, and it is notable that pretty much all the books uh, were bat-related in some form, uh, with the exception of maybe the, the free comic book day issue. They're all <laughs> either Batman starring, or an alternate Batman, or... or feature a Bat family member. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a very Bat week for DC Comics. I, I, I think you're just describing every week for DC Comics right now. I mean, sometimes it's a Superman issue, at least. <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe once or twice a month, if you're lucky. <laughs> Uh, but it's particularly, I think it's not particularly notable just because there's not anything else this week. Uh, so yeah. it's, it's sticking out a little bit. But uh, that is uh, that's what's coming up on the show. Uh, so yeah, um, a little bit of news to talk about as well. But uh, as you know, Connor, you've been gone for two weeks, so you may have forgotten this. But uh, there is always time for a comicsology top ten. Jesus, we're still doing this. Like I said, I've been gone for two weeks. Did we not like retire this yet? No, we did not. Uh, we retired any notion that you are a respectable human being. We retired. Oh, that was retired years ago. <laughs> we retired any notion that we'll give you any respect on this show. But also years ago, comicsology top ten is very much alive <laughs> and uh, still in its tenure. Uh, so. Would you care to guess what number one is? Is it Batman? Yeah, I mean, they're all bat books. You're going to have to be more <laughs> Batman, Batman. No, it's not Batman, Batman. Uh, Flashpoint, Batman. It is Flashpoint, Batman. Uh, and I know that's not the title, but I'm just... Well, Flashpoint the, Beyond. The, the, style, yeah. the style of Batman that it was. Yeah, that's number one right now uh, on Comicsology at the time of recording, which is... I guess makes sense. I mean, Jeff Johns is still a name. It, you know, it's a big kind of event-related kind of tie-in thing. So, or a sequel to an event, I should say, more lately. But, yeah. uh, yeah. So, I guess that makes sense. Uh, number two is Batman, issue one, two, three, though. So, that's fallen right up. Uh, but then we dip into some Marvel, with number three being Giant Size X-Men Thunderbird. Oh, they're still doing those giant sizes. I, I guess they are. I've been doing them for a while. Every so often, they'll they'll be like, here's a one shot of this character. But they tend to do like three or four of them at a time, and they kind of have like a loose overarching thing. They've been doing them since the start of the Hickman nonsense. Well, arguably, they've been doing them since the start uh, of Uncanny X Men. <laughs> I, I mean, yes, but specifically in this style. <laughs> well, I, I just I cracked that joke because they literally launched X Men again with giant size Uncanny X Men. They did, yes. Uh, but. At the end of the seventies, I think, give or take. So, uh, there you go. Uh, number four is Marauders issue two, another X book. Mm-hmm. Uh, number five, some Obi Wan uh, issue one. I don't. Yeah, yeah, I'm ready yet because oh. uh, I read all myself. I read all my Marvel books on Unlimited, so I'll I'll get to it in in about three months' time. Uh, that's fine. Uh, I'm 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 sure it can wait three months. Uh, number six is Batman Killing Time. Uh, so DC doing relatively well in the top ten, despite uh not having a lot of varied stuff out this week. It turns out Batman sells. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're in your sarcasm. You you sit there. You you make your little ginger sarcastic remarks. What I'm here for, isn't it? And I'm sure the audience can make their own minds up about you. Oh, I think they did that a while ago. Uh, number seven is Avengers Forever issue five, which is I have is, no idea what that is. It's Jason Aaron, so it must be a like a tie-in miniseries or something. To hmm, fair enough, or a second ongoing even because it doesn't say of. 
Is it still is his Avengers still going, or has this like replaced it? Maybe. Uh, Did they like relaunch no, it with the new number one? I think it's. I mean, uh, yeah, there was definitely an Avengers issue by him in the recent top tens that me mm, and Matt okay. talked about. So it's still going. Uh, but this is Jason Aaron and Aaron Cooder. Just, just they could save some time there and just go Jason Aaron Cooder on the cover and just. Okay. <laughs> Aaron Cooder's good though. Uh, so yeah, uh, and then number eight is another Star Wars book, just Star Wars issue twenty three. So cool, that's going along. Number nine is Task Force Z. So yeah, DC uh, got four spots in the top ten. That's not too bad. Uh, uh, actually, sorry, they got five spots in the top ten because number. I was going to say, are you, are you spoiling that number ten wasn't a DC book when you said that? But no, I was swearing you. you just didn't look far enough. I was intentionally lying so that you'd be surprised when I said that number ten is Nubia, the Coronation Special issue. Well, that's actually. Pretty so I am for surprised that. that that's what that. that that's <laughs> yeah. uh, number eleven is Batman Beyond, uh, New Year issue two. Uh, so and then Suicide Squad's number fifteen. So I'm just looking ahead at all the DC stuff. Uh, One Star Squadron is number 18, by the looks of it. Uh, I, will, I mean, it depends on how big your window is, but I do appreciate that I can I can reliably make it so it's five a row, so it makes it very easy to tell what number I'm on. Mm. Whereas Comixology, it was six per row. And well, it's not, that's not a hard number to think about. It's just it's not as easy at a glance to just be like... You, you don't think in base six, do you? No, no, you think, you think, you think in tens, but five's easy enough to sort of break it into Because half. it's divisible by yeah. ten. Yeah, yeah, it goes into it nice, nice and neatly that you, that you still work. Yeah, yeah, it's easy enough. So. Yeah. so, if there's one positive change from this move from Comicsology to Comicsology on Kindle or Amazon, it's this one thing: is that the I, I, I get rows of five. I'm, I'm not sure it's worth it. <laughs> I don't think so either. But you know what? I'm just looking for the silver linings where I can find. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, that's the top ten for the week. Uh, as far as news goes, I mean, there's not really much, but there's a couple of things worth mentioning. Con- Connor was convinced there was a new book announced in the last week or so, and I didn't see it, but he sent me the link, and he didn't tell me what it was, so the disappointment when I opened the link and it was an Asriel book <laughs> was, was pretty monumental. So, um, yeah, uh, Sword of Asriel is debuting in August. It's written by Dan Waters uh, with art by Nicola Oh god. Uh <laughs> Kesmesia. Sure. I'll go with that. Uh the same team behind the recent three part storyline, Asriel, Dark Knight of the Soul, which ran uh, in issues eight through ten of Batman Urban Legends. I don't remember loving that story. Did you try it? I think I was still reading Urban Legends at that point, wasn't it? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I mean I don't remember. I don't know what you read. I, I, I don't know what I read. I vaguely remember an Asriel story. Maybe there was another Asriel story that I read and I didn't read this one. I don't know, but <laughs> I'm sure there was an Asriel story that I read at some point in there. Uh, but regardless, um, this is the aftermath of that story, so it's a bit of a sequel to it. Uh, I wonder how much it'll be necessary reading to have read that previous story, which would maybe limit its audience a bit, given that it was just one story in an anthology book. But I'm going to say you'll probably be okay, because I think Dan Waters is a pretty decent writer. We just enjoyed uh, Arkham City by him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think he's capable of being very aware that that was, like you say, a three-part in an anthology a little bit ago and now. It's notable that Asriel did show up in that book as well. So maybe it's a, yeah. a favourite of uh, of Waters. Yeah. Uh, six issue miniseries, and obviously it's a, I mean, no one was expecting me to say this was an ongoing, I don't think, when I said what it was. No. 
So, so it features him moving to a monastery in Europe in search of inner peace. Um, he encounters a young woman who alleges she also has the harsh mental programming of the Order of St. Damas and must come to terms with his heroic identity as he defends this newfound companion against all who would harm her. Yeah, I mean... I'll probably try it. I'm very confused because it says at the top of the article that it debuts in August. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the bottom of the article says Sword of Azrael number one goes on sale July 6th. Well, one of them's obviously wrong, but we just don't know yeah. which one. It's it's probably August because I don't think it was in the July solicits and it's just been announced now. That that would make sense. Because July uh, yeah. solicits already out, so I, I I presume it's August sixth rather than July sixth. Probably, yeah. Um, it stands to reason. So, yeah, there you hey, go. Who doesn't want a, a new Azrael book? We don't have time for that list. <laughs> Find time. It's hefty. It'll, 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 it'll only take a few seconds. It'll be a short list. Look, I, I know I know one of our, our longest supporters, Tyler. I know he'll be pumped for it. Oh. Just he likes some, Azrael. Something else related to this story I've just seen. To, oh. Um, the urban legend story, you know, the, the three parts, is being collected as its own one-shot that's coming out the same day as the first ah. issue of this mini. So if you didn't catch that, you can just pick up the one shot called, uh, you know, Sword of Azrael, Dark Knight of the Soul. Oh, well, there you go. That, that somewhat answers the potential problem so, I posed. A 3.99, 30-page story. Okay. So, so you can just pick that up as well if you're interested, which seems pretty reasonable, and I'm glad that... Okay, maybe it is essential, but it means that they're aware of that fact and are making it accessible. Yeah, yeah. Okay, interesting. I do have one other news story kind of lined up, mostly just to have a laugh about it, to be honest. Uh, because you may be wondering, what's Dan Didio up to these days? You know, he left DC and... Oh yeah, I is, he, is he in the comic game still? And he is in the comic game, in fact. He's teamed up with Frank Miller. They've got their own new publisher called FMP, which stands for Frank Miller Presents. And the story this week Didio is... Didio got that... shafted, basically. <laughs> and the story this week is that they... And uh, so, so this is Didio like finding some sort of role in his post DC world. Joe, you know who else is looking for uh, something to do? And after the last couple of years, Diamond. Everyone, yeah, I was gonna say everyone at Diamond. Yes, Diamond needs something to do. So FMP and Diamond have signed a, a contract with each other. They're going to distribute uh, comics from FMP. We'll see how much comes yes, from Mr. this. Mr. Gappy was like, "Please give us comics to sell." Or distribute. It's like we, we, we I need something. I don't know if this is going to make up for DC and Marvel. I just got a funny feeling that it's not going to be quite the same scale. <laughs> I suspect it might not. No. <laughs> I, I don't even think it'll cover because uh, some some of the other smaller ones left as well, right? I don't even think it'll cover one of those. Never mind <laughs> either Marvel or DC. Yeah, yeah, a lot of the smaller ones left. I think Valiant might have left. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Valley is not huge numbers-wise, but it's got a dedicated audience that no doubt dwarfs this. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, unless they get some great creators to make some comics for them. I, I don't I, I don't see much coming from it. It's possible, but... Yeah. Mm. Do, do you want to know another piece of interesting news? Oh, go on. I say interesting news. I, I, it's more of an anecdote, but... Um, Tom King's newsletter today explain the origin of Hell Yeah. 
Oh, okay. Uh, it just it was cause obviously they had the uh, the HBO Max kind of the animated spin-off announced starring Kiteman. Um, and he just thought it, you know, it was kind of a happy accident the way it happened. Basically, uh, when he wrote that issue, uh, when he sent the script over to I think it was uh, Ivan Reese on our, he, he had it uh, in the script as like a five-panel sequence, and he had someone saying that it was Kite Man, just to acknowledge for people who didn't know, you know, okay, though well, this is Kite Man, just you know, to make it clear. But there was no dialogue from Kite Man, no hell yeah, nothing. Um, when Ivan Reese turned the pages in, he'd turn it into like a, a seven-panel layout. Where it was like six smaller ones, and then like a set, the seventh panel was like a half-page splash. And uh, so King got it back, and he was looking at it, he was like, oh shit, this looks like it needs a, it needs a punchline. But he hadn't written one. He was like, oh, okay, well, I'll, I'll put, you know, just put Kite Man, hell yeah. And he said it was basically just a little thing because he'd been putting hell yeah as a response to everything on Twitter, so he didn't have to think about it. So he put this just so he didn't have to think about it as a placeholder um, and meant to come back to it later. And then Deadlines caught up with him because this was when, you know, it was double shipping. He was trying to get ahead. He sent it off without realizing that it was still in there. It wasn't until he got the comps back uh, when it had been printed that it was like, oh, Oops, uh, that's still there, and now it is up there as one of his most famous bits of dialogue. I would say it's it's going to be part of his lasting legacy. I it, think it, it's, it's kind of that, and you know, repopularizing Dark Side is. Mm. So, all right, well there you go. That's some news for you. Uh, not not much. Uh, we may have solicits next week because they were early last month, but maybe because they were early last month, they're probably going to be a week later this month, just because of the way that the weeks work out. But uh... yeah, it depends. We got uh, it's a five Tuesday month, yeah. isn't it? So maybe we, we may have some juicy like early stuff next week. Some announcements in advance of solicits that may happen next week. It's possible. The fact that they're already announcing things with this Asriel book, though, means maybe. Or this Asriel book just gets shot out at a weird time because no. Cause it's a weird it. one where we've kind of known this was coming for a long time in some form or another. Where I think. I don't know if it was at the end of that Urban Legend story we knew about it, or but it was definitely before Arkham City finished where we knew that he was planning an, uh, an Asriel like, mini at some point down the line. Uh, so this is more just a case of here's an official announcement and when it's coming. Yes, and to the three Asriel fans in existence that I have pissed off with my disinterest in the Asriel book. Yeah, I, what are they going to do? There's only three of them. I'm not sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Alright, uh, let's get into the books then. Uh, Batman issue... Wo oh, so, sorry, sorry, I'm skipping ahead. Uh, free comic books day dark crisis special issue one or issue 2022 whatever we're calling it uh joshua elmson writing with john chung on the art uh this is i mean it's only really half an issue really there's some stuff in the back half which i'll, I'll briefly mention after we've talked about the main story but uh it's really the opening like i don't know 10 pages or whatever it is if that. Yeah. for the record this is officially called dark crisis zero the free comic book day special edition 2022 Oh, forgive so this me. is this is officially a zero issue for Dark Crisis. <laughs> forgive me for not remembering that. Wonderful that title. makes it essential reading, Pete. I never said it wasn't. No, I know, but you 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 did it a disservice by just making up a title. 
Yeah. I'll, I'll be honest, I, I didn't even realise this didn't come out till today. I was like, why is it not in Comixology last night? I was getting annoyed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I saw you post and I was like, that's because free comic book day is only today. Why would it be out before today? I forgot, just because, you know, it's just Friday, I go get my comics, it's just my normal routine. And I'm like, where's the... I thought I had five books, where's my fifth book? Oh, it's the free comic book day issue. Sure. Why is it not there? Uh, so yeah, anyway. Um... Yeah, basically the, the the idea of this is that this is post the death of the Justice League, and there's a tour going around the Hall of Justice talking about the various Justice Leagues. There's a there's a big two page layout at one point where it shows you the Justice League lineups of the various eras uh, from Silver Age through to you know the nineties Grant Morrison stuff through to New Fifty Two, um, and the the twist is that the tour guide is actually Clayface pretending to be a tour guide because he's trying to steal something from the Hall of Justice because the Justice League don't exist, so it's kind of open season. Uh, and then Wally comes in as the Flash uh, to take care of the situation, and he's nice to the kids, and it's just kind of a, you know, it's just, it is what it is. Uh, and it's basically like, it's not a question of is, is there going to be a new Justice League, it's just a question of who is it going to be. That's all it is. It's not, you know, it's, yeah, it's a bit of a when, but there's going to be a Justice League because there's always going to be a new Justice League, which is cool because that's you know that's kind of what I like about the teases for the event is that we're going to do this legacy character team up kind of thing. Uh, the only thing that I because it's a simple little thing, it's a nice enough little story on its own. Uh, I kind of liked some of the art, especially on Wally. I thought it was a nice like that big half page of him sort of smirking before he takes down Clayface. I thought it was a really nice uh, moment. The, I really didn't like the the very first page. It's like you. Uh, what turns out to be Clayface, the the face. It, it feels like there's a weird. Oh yeah, yeah. Disconnect. A, like, it's like the second panel or something. It's it's the weird shading on her face. She's got like a bit of a smooth kind of thing yeah. going. and it that that put me in. It wasn't a great start when that was you know one of the first things I saw in in the issue. Uh, to be fair, I think all the regular faces are a little bit weird, but once you get characters that are either a clay monster or someone in a mask, it starts looking quite good. That's fair. So it's maybe just the strengths of the artist more than anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. The only thing that I really didn't like about this, and there's not a lot to like or dislike. It's a pretty simple little thing just to sort of set up the the status quo and what the mood is going into the event. Uh, is how quickly Clayface just kind of writes away the fact that he was kind of a good guy for a while, but just said, "I try, uh, I try to go straight and narrow," but it wasn't for me. <laughs> I, I hated this. Yeah. And, and not the the story in general, but this decision with Clayface is a villain again now. I'm like, oh. I just, it, it was only even even recently we were still playing with him being kind of mixed. Yeah, I I really like obviously Titan's detective run. So obviously it was always going to revert at some point. I just wish it wasn't a throwaway little line like this that just kind of that was it. I, I get it, but there was no reason it had to revert. Like as like, you know, Harley hasn't really reverted, and Clayface. It wasn't just in that one run. It was as recently as even in um uh, in Ramby's Catwoman towards the end of that. Uh, no, that's true. That's true. But, like we, we've still had Clayface being morally better. Yeah, I wonder if this is something that Williamson's just done because this is what he wants, so we can be a little annoyed at him for it, or is this like sort of like editorial saying, "Yeah, Clayface is going to be a villain now, so that's someone you can use," and then he's picked, you know, he's picked them with that in mind. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure which way around it is. E- either way, around, I don't know who to blame, but either way, I don't like it. Yeah, I think that's fair. So, um, 
yeah, and that's that's basically it. Uh, honestly, it's just you know, it's just kind of this hopeful thing at the end where Wally's saying there will be a Justice League, and he talks about how he had to take over for Barry. Isn't say Barry, obviously, but he had to, had to take over for the previous Flash after the crisis, and you know, others are going to have to step up now. And there's all these like possible faces that he sees in the sky as he's, you know, looking off into the distance, thinking about his new Justice League. Uh, it makes sense that Wally. Uh, and and Dick, admittedly as well, assuming Dick's got to be heavily involved, they would be the ones leading the charge and sort of taking control of the new team. Uh, well, that does make sense from a legacy, well well. Yeah. from both a legacy perspective and like an experience perspective. Is it the you know Wally's is the Flash and has been the Flash for some time. Dick has been Batman. <laughs> like they've they've both kind of stepped yeah. into those those roles. Wally's been a leaguer multiple times before, anyway. Yeah. Dick. I'm sure he has, but it's less prominently. He tends to have stuck to like you know outsiders. Yeah, and for sure. His own teams instead. Oh yeah, Wally's definitely the one. I mean, unless like uh, Hal shows up or something, like Wally's the one who's been on the uh, Justice League the most out of all the possible. Out of the members. next lot, yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. Uh, so there's a little preview for Dark Crisis issue one, which I intentionally skipped over because I'll just read it in the full book when it comes yep, out. Same. So uh, that's fine. Uh, I, I did. I did sort of notice the two-page layout of like a candlelit vigil for the Justice League, and I thought oh, that was like a cool page. But that's all I saw. That's all I really noticed. Uh, Fair enough. I so, didn't even look. Done. I didn't even look at that. And then there's a history of DC multiverse, where it's just kind of recap stuff that was established heavily in Justice League Incarnate. Um, although, and it, it, you know, it says it establishes some of the key things you need to know going in, which is basically just the idea of the Great Darkness and. All the people behind the various crises have unknowingly kind of been influenced in some way by the Great Darkness, because like, it's a sort of like encouraging force. Um, and talks about how it realized, you know, the Great Darkness realized that heroes, at some point along the way, heroes were its greatest adversary. Uh, it does kind of gloss over one of the things I liked that was brought up in that full miniseries, though, which is that part of the whole reason for Flashpoint and why the influences kind of like moved that along. Was because that was to weaken the heroes. That you know that was kind of part of the the point. So, um, but yeah. You know, otherwise, it's just a recap of that, just in case you didn't read that miniseries, basically, just so that you go going into the event, some of the key, broader, larger story things that are going on. Uh, so that's basically it. And then there's a lot of ads at the end for just the graphic novels, which is makes sense. Uh, what's interesting though is the checklist at the back, which actually goes all the way up to the end in December. So this is probably worth oh, having really? a quick look at yeah uh so we know about me obviously which this one has the road to dark crisis issue one sort of prelude issue so we know that's coming uh june has dark crisis issue one and dark crisis young justice issue one we know that's a six issue miniseries that's sort of the main tie-in series and we know that the flash 783 in june is also tying in uh, it turns out the flash is tying in for three issues so june july and august issues are all tying in which makes sense it's a little arc that's tying into the thing yeah uh going forward we know in july they start off the one shots which is uh the one we know about is dark crisis worlds without a superman issue one so there and we speculated that there was named that way because there'd be more turns out that's the case so there's one of them a month august has a uh, green lantern issue september's wonder woman october's renato and november's batman uh Basically, it's quite simple. Each month has a Dark Crisis main issue, has a Dark Crisis Young Justice issue, and has one of these one-shots. Uh, and that's basically it. Up until uh, December, which is issue 7 of Dark Crisis, and there's a one-shot at the end called Dark Crisis Warzone issue 1. Uh, the way it's listed here is that it looks like that comes after the final issue, which is a little strange. 
But, an epilogue issue then, isn't it? Yeah. But I wonder, is it, is it like an epilogue issue in the sense that it's like the end of the story? Because Warzone issue 1 to me sounds like the sort of thing where you're showing a lot of the fighting going on around the main story beats, but... I mean, I, I mean that's just because of the title. Uh, maybe it is just an epilogue. Uh, so... Yeah. It is nice to see this stuff because it's showing that they're not going nuts with like tie-ins all, all over the place. It's pretty there's streamlined. Few, there's like the... The Flash one, which has like three issues, right? I mean, that's, that's the only one. But yeah, everything else is just separate books and It's just, yeah, it's, it's, a mini, it's basically two minis. It's like a mini series called just Dark Crisis Young Justice and what's effectively a mini series of one shots with the, you know, each one focusing on a different Justice Leaguer. Yeah. So it's just, it's just really two mini series that seem pretty optional and three issues of The Flash. So, and one, a one shot at the end, if you want to count that. But which you probably should. I mean, pre- preload and epilogue issues are kind of like a, just a normal thing at this point. They are, and I kind of wish they'd just label them as two extra issues of the event. Yeah, yeah, but that's why I don't really feel like extra to me because I just kind of like, oh, that's just you know, because like, it's not like you know, road to Dark Crisis issue one. It's like, well, that's coming out a month before issue one, so it doesn't feel like it's adding. Uh, yeah, I wish that, like, just call it a nine issue event instead of seven, really. Yeah, you know, I, no, I mean, yeah, I would prefer that too, but uh, so sometimes they do make, they do feel different narratively in how they're written, so I get why they kind of separate them a little bit. Yeah. But, but there's also know. there's also examples where you read the, the preload issue, and then you read issue one and go, this just feels like issue two. But sometimes they do feel distinctly different, and issue one does still feel like an issue one, so it's... I'd say it, normally that's why you call it a zero issue, right, essentially. But they've wasted that on this. Aye. I can't complain, though. This was free, so it's whatever. It, it was free, yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's fine. Um, yeah, this was fine. Like, honestly, it was a nice little story. I mean, Clayface's like, heel turn and the way he dismisses him being a good guy is kind of not really a problem with this so much as it's just a problem with like a decision about that character going forward. But the actual story that's being told here about the Justice League and the Flash and their importance is a perfectly fine little, little slice of like it is I, uh, I can't say I'm particularly enthused for the story overall going forward because I, I you know I've not enjoyed a lot of this side of Williamson stuff you know I, I bounced off Incarnate uh, I didn't really enjoy his um what was the uh, the event before uh, Infinite Frontier. Frontier, yeah. Yeah, I didn't really enjoy that that much. I'd, I'd, I'd say I didn't really enjoy the uh, Justice League issue last week. Yeah, me and Matt were pretty mixed on it. It basically we boiled down to there's some nice moments in there, but it, it, it kind of all the deaths felt very abrupt and just like, oh, this just feels like we have to kill them quickly, and it didn't yeah. feel like a big deal. So, uh. Yeah, there's there's nothing about this that I'm excited for, and I thought, well, maybe maybe this will be the issue that changed my mind because this is the whole the whole point of this issue is to get people excited to come and check this event out, and it didn't it didn't excite me, unfortunately. I like it because of the the characters that are going to have to now headline the event, and it feels kind of like an old school DC event to me in that sense. Uh, so so it's it's tickling some boxes for me. Uh, I did say tickling there, and I meant it. I I assumed you did. My Peter Tingle. Uh, so. There you go. 
Uh, do we read that? I'm still like ten page story. I don't know. So we so, don't really have. Yeah. I feel like if I'm rating it, I'd, I'd give it like it's probably like a five or something. But that that feels disingenuous because it's like it's just fine. It's just there. It, it's just it's it's a free advert basically. Okay. Yeah. Kind of. It's not really an issue per se. But uh, yeah. So that's out. It is free. So you know, you may as well go check it out. It's a quick read. So uh, there you go. Batman issue one, two, three. Joshua Elmson writing with Howard Porter on art. This is part five of Shadow War. Although not really, if you include the epilogue or the, the prologue issue, and there's going to be an epilogue issue. Uh, this is kind of like the same thing you were talking about, where they could just call them parts one and nine or whatever it would be. Uh, the whole thing. So yeah, a uh, lot of stuff going on in this story. Uh, the main thing being the mystery of who this this Deathstroke is the one who killed Raz, who this who's the person behind the mask. This builds up the mystery of yeah, there's like Batman and Damien interrogate some guy and about someone like all these fake Deathstrokes from Deathstroke Kink. They got the costume from a guy, you made a costume for someone else, a classic style Deathstroke costume. That's one of the main focuses of this. Um So it's Yeah, that you know, this is the story's chucking along. How many did you feel about this? Um, it's very much just the next part of an issue, uh, of a story. Sure. Um, I'm, I, I'm still not digging Howard Porter's art on this as much as the It feels so different to the rest of the event. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know if he's, I, I probably said this last time, but, I, you know, the last time he did one of these, but I, which is probably the last Batman issue, is, yeah. he doesn't feel best suited for this material, like for, for Batman. No, I agree, and it's it's not that it's bad. Um, I just think my bigger problem is it just doesn't fit with the other eyes we have on the event, which tend to be kind of very clean. But this is really, really heavy lines, and it's it's a lot of heavy shading, and it's like it, again, stylistically it is a choice, and that's fine. But it just doesn't mesh with the rest of the event, which is my biggest problem. Yeah. Uh. I, I did get a chuckle out of Damien wanting to be the one to interrogate the guy, and uh, Batman's like, yeah. And there's just a panel of Batman watching as you tear screaming, effectively on the panel. <laughs> and uh, I was I was very confused as to what actually happened here because it cuts away and you just hear the screaming, and then the next panel is is him going, "I didn't even touch you." I'm like. And what, you know, it, it felt like a weird cut to me. Like, like it was trying to hide violence, but then, it, then it felt like there was almost oh, okay. You know, you, we can't do that. Let's go back in and and write that, that that there was nothing there. I just took that as Damien claiming he didn't touch him, rather than you know the idea of being like, you know, I suppose you'd say I barely touched you, rather than I didn't touch you. But yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, I kind of agree that it is a little bit. Like, what is he actually doing? Because there's, there's no visible damage on him or anything like that. Like, how, how scary can Damien be coming towards him kind of thing? Uh, but I did get a chuckle out of it. I, I guess my headcanon is, is that he just grabbed one of his nipples and twisted it as hard as he could, and that, that broke the, the guy down immediately. That's that's my... Uh... Sure. <laughs> I don't know, maybe he pulled out some sort of fancy bat blade or something, and the guy just went, oh, no, F that. And, and, and then put it away by the next panel. Yeah. That's, that's all I got for you. Uh, that's all I got for you. Um, there, there's a lot of try to convince us that Ghostmaker's cool uh, here. Oh, they're, they're really banging that drum, aren't they? 
They really are. Uh, so it's, it's the one thing about this issue, which is pro probably why this one is maybe my least favorite of the, the crossover, maybe so far. It's just because it... Because I, I, I really like the last couple issues by and large because it was advancing Batman and Damien sort of like making some kind of amends, working on the case together, uh, liked Rose with her father, Rose with Damien, all that stuff. I, I really enjoyed the build-up of that stuff. Um, you know, Batman Inc. with, with, with Ghostmaker. Yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's whatever. Uh, so Slade and the kids go back to the scene of the crime, uh, which the kids question if that's maybe the wisest move, given that everyone's looking for him. Uh, but he's like, nope, I might see something that the bat missed, so we're going to look into it. Um, and, you know, lo and behold, uh, by the end, you know, they get into Ninjas trouble. Ninjas with guns. Ninjas with guns. What's the, what's the character? Hood shows up. Yep. Uh, and they get into a big scuffle, big fight. Uh, you know, they're barely surviving kind of thing. Uh, but the big dramatic punchline is that, of course, Respawn jumps in and takes a lot of gunshots. And the big the big cliffhanger is that he seems to be dead. Like, you know, Slade's holding him, and he says, not again. And, you know, there's rain pouring down. You can see Rose in the background, like the lightning striking behind her. You know, it's all very dramatic. I will say it's probably the best part of art in the book is this last page. Because it is, like, it's almost like Porter's, like, uh, roughness works with the rain. For it the, does. For the I'd, drama. I'd like the most of it i think it was a weird choice to have the bottom kind of panel there where it has the extra close-up on his face with the not again i think that combined with the all the like the the next time text kind of takes away from the the impact of the moment a little bit i think for me i think it's a wise idea to have not again again <laughs> um on its own but maybe what would have been more effective was just a plain black box at the bottom with just the, the text in the middle saying that again. Almost as if, like, you know, maybe, the, the world yeah. fades away and it's just the words, not again. Because I think the not again part really is what makes it stick to me, is that is that particular phrase. Uh, but I, I think it would probably be fine if it didn't have all the extra, you know, editorial text at the end, which <laughs> I suppose, you know, it'll be removed in the trade, so I guess it's not a real long-term issue, but... Mm. It's a problem here reading it now for me. Kind of it took away from the moment. Uh, Batman and Damien go to find this uh, costume maker and they find him dead. Or, sorry, yeah. sorry they, find, they find him heavily tranked. Sorry, not dead. Uh, forgive me. Do, uh, do, do you not recognize the costume maker? Uh, do you not recognize the name? What was his name? I can't remember. Oh, Gamby. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah, Gamby. Yeah. 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 Uh, Black Lightning's uh, yeah, yeah. dude. That's the one. Yeah. Um, but the uh, fake Deathstroke's there, uh, in his costume. And, you know, some interesting clues here. He says, and if you're as smart as I remember you are, you'll stay out of this. Um, let me walk so I could finally do what you couldn't. Uh, obviously there's a lot of speculation in this issue that clearly whoever's behind this wanted Talia and Slade to go to war. He wanted that, that spark to be lit. And... Yeah, so I know Matt's got a theory from his comments from a, a brief skim of what he said, but... Uh, uh, oh. did, did he not have comments on the free comic book day one? He didn't read that because that only came out today and he read all his books oh, yeah. before, so yeah. There was no Matt thoughts on that. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure, I'm sure, sure it'll come up when we talk about the next part of Dark Crisis. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, that was, it was a decent issue. Like, you know, like I, I, I like the, the tease of who the, the Deathstroke is. 
Um, I like the idea that Deathstroke is already pissed because someone's trying to frame him, but then you have this, you know, like, he's had the second chance to be a good father, or not even a second, a third or fourth chance at this point, to be a, a father again. And he, he's failed, the, the kid's dying in his arms because he wanted to protect Deathstroke, and it kind of feels like now it's Deathstroke's turn to call hunting. Like, you know, if that's what it says, it says, you know, uh, Fury of Deathstroke's what it says at the next time on. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I yeah. thought uh, a weird choice there as well. Um, it says uh, to be continued in Deathstroke issue nine. Um, is it not still called Deathstroke Inc? Uh, it is. is that a title on their part, or have they renamed the book without me noticing? No, I mean it was Deathstroke Inc. Last issue, so unless it changes next issue, <laughs> which is possible. They, they they do do this sometimes. I mean, I didn't even noticed that. Uh, but yeah, I, I would. Imagine it's a tiny little mistake. Yeah. For this little bit I of mean, text. ultimately, it's not a big deal. Anyone looking for Deathstroke issue 9 is going to find Deathstroke Inc. issue 9, I would hope. Um, Especially if you've been reading the other parts of this story already. But well, it was a, just a weird oversight. Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, so yeah, perf- perfectly solid enough, but nothing special middle chapter. But some of the plot beats that they're playing with I do quite like, so... Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, backup, which I did read because I read the first half, even though... Cause I, I, I forgot there was a backup until I got to the end and I turned the page and I was like, oh, oh, oh there's more. Well, this is the thing. The backup in the last issue, I read because it looked interesting based on the names and stuff, and it was a nice, interesting little plot about how Deathstroke was hired to kill Robin, and it was an interesting little story that might have thematically tied into what's going on in the, the crossover, and at the end it ruined it all by, like, uh, Deathstroke having Joker laughing, you know, face. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this second half, as I'll just, you know what, I'll read it just to finish it to see how it wraps up. And yeah, like it's. Do you know the frustrating thing is, is that I I am still perfectly fine for a good Joker story. And if you tell me there's a Joker story coming, that's cool. But I think because there is so much overexposure to him, I don't think ending any Batman story with a cliffhanger that says, oh, the Joker's secretly the one that was behind this is going to work again for a long time. At least for me. Like, it's not surprising. It's like, well, yeah, like, Joker's behind a lot of things. Like, if you're going to tell me there's a Joker story coming, I will enjoy it on the merit of it being a good, possibly good Joker story. But when you give me something else that seems unique for its own reasons and then go, ah, but the Joker's the one behind this. And, and this devolves just into... Slade versus Joker, essentially. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, d- yeah, in, in about five or six pages. Yeah, yeah, the Slade goes to get him. He's still kind of got some control, even though he's smiling the whole time. Uh, it turns out that it doesn't kill Slade like it does other people because of his healing factor and so on. Uh, so, yeah, that's basically it. Uh, and then Slade tells Wintergreen at the end when he wakes up from his like Joker hangover that they should never talk about this again because he's embarrassed that he failed a contract and that's it. Yeah, this was... It's the whole thing. Pointless. Sadly, yes. I actually really liked most of that first half. It was just the ending that ruined it. I did as well. And then this was pretty much exactly what we were worried it was going to be. Just, uh, look, Joker stuff. Yeah, it just took everything I liked about it away and replaced it with something else. So, uh, yeah. There's not really much to add. Uh, all right. What are you rating the main story? Uh, I'll just give it a seven. It's solid. Yeah, yeah. I think so. a seven is exactly what I was thinking. Uh, backup. 
It's not it's not terrible, but I'm just yeah. I'm disappointed in what it is and it's not that good. Yeah, yeah. Oh uh, yeah, five I think sounds fair as well. Uh yeah, you know, I you know, it's not like like I say it wasn't terrible. There was like the odd little line. It was like, ah, that's a fine little line. Like, you know, when when Joker sees he's still alive when it should kill him, he's like, Oh, uh what secret sauce have you got? I could have some of that. You know, he says something to that effect. Uh yeah. and I'm like, Yeah, yeah, okay. It feels like a natural enough joker thing to say, but um, there you go. That's Batman 1, 2, 3. Matt's thoughts on Batman before we move on, though. Uh, mm, yes, definitely. <laughs> shut up. Um, I, this is not edited in after the fact because I forgot to do it at the time. Shut up, you ginger filth. I, I didn't say a word. Uh, so, yes, Matt's thoughts. Batman. Uh, I like how Williamson has made each issue of the crossover feel like an issue of the book and not just the miniseries. I feel like this fake Deathstroke is Grant. Lots of about family and all that. Being half an Al Ghul and Slade, I feel it respawns. Healing factor is going to be an overdrive. That's true. Maybe the kid will bounce back to life next issue. That's that's entirely possible. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but uh, uh, Porter doesn't fit a bat book at all. Hey, I said that. Uh, 7.5 out of 10, he gave it. So uh, Slightly more than us. Yeah, high, higher rating. Well, that's like Matt, isn't it? Yeah, uh, half a point above us. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> Flashpoint Beyond Issue 1, Jeff Johns with Jeremy Adams and Tim Sheridan writing with Art by Zermanico. And this is where I start talking for a while because Connor hasn't read any other new books this week. Uh, do you know what? Because I had so little new books, I thought maybe, maybe I'll give Flashpoint Beyond a try. I'll, I'll, maybe I'll, maybe I'll like, you know, maybe it was just, uh, I didn't really like the Zero issue, but maybe I should give it a fair shot. And then I looked at the preview and I saw the second page. And I went, nope, nope, not reading that. That was so many boxes. Just, just, just look at the amount of boxes on that second page. Um, there is a lot of boxes on the second page. Uh, it's a touch word day in places. Um, so Thomas Wayne's looking after Harvey Dent's kid. Harvey Dent uh, is dead. I think that happened in the Flashpoint Batman miniseries, but it's been so long that I don't remember. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't remember yeah. the. The details of that event, especially the you know the the side stories, are kind of lost. I mean, that was over a decade ago at this point. Uh, yeah, literally, it was over a decade ago. So yeah, uh, yeah. So I, I it that that's like a little whatever, right? Because I, I obviously, if you go back and read that many, I'm sure it would some of this would link up a bit nicer. Um, but Thomas Wayne is basically frustrated because obviously Barry's dead someone's behind this like changing the timeline back he wants to figure out who it is and he's looking into it and this leads him to the uk because aquaman and atlantis have taken control from the amazons and they've got wonder woman held captive and thomas wayne batman shows up he's going to take her lasso and wonder Woman's like if you take this lasso from me i'll kill you and He's like, I know, which is why I'm going to ask to borrow it. I'll give you it back. I need to get some information out of Aquaman. Because he thinks Aquaman's behind it in some way. Uh, there's a fun bit here, though, where there's an Atlantean creature. It's like, you know, a Cthulhu-style head with the tentacles. Uh, Wonder Woman bites off one of the tentacles. It's a fun panel. Because, uh, I mean, the art's pretty solid. There's a, there's a great page here where Flashpoint Batman jumps out the water and, like, uh, like sort of shoots two Atlantean creatures at the same time sort of in various sides. You know, it's a good, it's a good splash page. Um, 
from here, like, you know, it's, it's this idea that Wonder Woman kills Aquaman from behind, so they're going to take back the UK and go on to Europe, and this war is kind of ongoing. Uh, Flashpoint Batman realizes that he's been tricked in some way to get out of Gotham because someone's targeted Cobblepot's uh, casino in his absence. So he comes back and he's he wants to look into whatever's going on. Uh, at the end of the issue, we cut back to the main universe and we do some more teases with the real Batman where... Uh, I assume this is Wally that runs in here. But anyway, yeah, Flash comes in and the Batcave and he's like i felt something is everything all right and batman's like it's fine uh you know I've, you know he's like you, you, you feel thawing or something because like I, I i've put in like sensors i've got like mr freeze guns ready to take out speedsters that aren't supposed to be here kind of thing uh so if you remember the issue zero it ended with this tease of this this character showing up and talking to to bruce and it kind of sounds like bruce might be the one responsible in some way for messing with the timeline again uh, so this character's from the Time Masters. I don't know if it's really new who he was <laughs> on the show. Uh, I still don't. This kid with the uh, the, the the with the beaver hat, but there he is. Uh, I do. I, I will say if this is building to the idea that Thomas Wayne's looking into who brought his world back when it shouldn't exist, only to find that Bruce is some way responsible for it is kind of intriguing in some ways for that inevitable conflict and I, I do think it's relatively an easy read despite you know that page with all the panels um there's a interesting little subplot where thomas leaves uh cobblepot in charge to babysit harvey dent's son and the son's really quiet and doesn't really talk but he eventually said because cobblepot keeps saying things what well, do i feed it what am i going to do with this kid Eventually, the kid says, "Teach me how to shoot a gun," and Cobblepot just smiles and says, "What you know? What type of gun do you want?" <laughs> so that's the little kid. So when Thomas comes back from his trip, he, he walks in, and Cobblepot's got him like doing target practice on mannequins in the middle of the mansion, and he's there's bullet holes everywhere, uh, and it's just, there's just there's a lot of like Cobblepot should not be allowed to supervise a child <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. That's that is probably the most predictable thing ever. Yeah. Uh, then there's like some gunshots in the background when he's talking to Thomas and he's like was that the ceiling? Why are you pointing the gun at the ceiling? <laughs> so it's kind of this running gag that's just kind of there uh, which honestly was pretty entertaining like this is a pretty decent read in all honesty uh, I, I think John still being the one who's plotted it does kind of shine through a little bit in that it's that you know it's, for all the things that I've read from Tim Sherrod and Jeremy Adams which I've not enjoyed this is definitely better than those now does it justify this book's existence yet i i mean i wouldn't say so but is, is jeremy adams not the one writing the flash that you're enjoying right now yeah or maybe i just meant tim sheridan then but because tim sheridan doesn't he the one who's on like the teen titans academy and yes. that stuff yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. oh fair play to jeremy adams then because i actually like his book but yeah th so it's, it's kind of in this weird place where I do think some of the stuff in the world is a little bit interesting, and I like the idea that Batman's somehow responsible for this. And then the question of why is Batman doing what he's doing? And maybe that does relate to to Dark Crisis in some way. I'm not sure. Um, but we'll see. Mm. 
Uh, Art's pretty good, though, uh, throughout. Uh, there's even a little bit of Mikhail Yan at the end, actually, when it cuts back to the, the main universe and switches artists. Uh, I mean, Zamanico and Yanin are definitely a, a pair of really strong artists. That's sure. Yeah. So, I can't, I can't really complain about the art too much. Uh, like I said, a couple of nice splash pages in there. And, I, I mean, I wasn't, like, I read a lot of the minis when Flashpoint was coming out. I never really read the Wonder Woman and uh, Aquaman stuff, because that was, like, I was a nice backdrop to what was going like, on in the world, but I didn't really care about the conflict. Um, uh, you know who did read it, though? <laughs> yeah, Matt read it, yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there, there you go. That's, uh, that's what it is. I mean, it's like, if I'm giving this a rating... Uh, and I, I am happy to read the next part. You know, there's, there's just kind of a... It was an easy enough reading. There's some curiosity to get into it, so... Yeah, this is probably... In like a... I'll say 6.5. I'll say 6.5. Just okay. about... Just about good overall, but certainly not without some reservations based on what it is. Um... And I will now give you what Matt thought of... Yes, because you don't, definitely did that for Batman, didn't you? I'm going to record it in a minute and go back and edit it in. So don't you talk about it. Fine. <laughs> um, yes. So, yeah, Flashpoint beyond here. Uh, so this is, this is Matt's thoughts on the book. Art is fantastic. Story, not so much. <laughs> I don't remember... A lot of Flashpoint, and I don't think it's fair that they are trying to make me remember after I've fought so hard to forget it. <laughs> All right, Matt, hold, hold your feelings in. Uh, it really is a world without a Flash, and it feels like it. Curious on what exactly is going on and how it ties to Dark Crisis. 7 out of 10. I don't think it ties to Dark Crisis at all. The only, the only reason why I would say maybe it does is because... It's set up this idea that Bruce was looking at the the, the tapestry of the, the multiverse and the omniverse and how it all connects. Maybe what he's doing is something related to like trying to figure out dark faces Maybe, and things. But that feels to me more like a sequel to John's the stuff he was playing with in Doomsday Clock. That is very possible too. It may have not yeah, uh, maybe more related to that than anything else. I, I could be wrong. And uh, maybe I am, but that that would have been my guess. I would say it's probably not, but I do think there's a possibility that he was looking into something that will be relevant to Dark Crisis. Obviously, he's dead, at least at the start of Dark Crisis, so I don't know. Uh, yeah, like, it won't be by the end. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> I mean, I'm almost willing to bet you there's going to be a splash page. At the end of issue... I mean, this thing is seven issues. At the end of issue six, or in the middle of issue seven? One or the other. <laughs> there's going to be a splash page with all the just League coming back. Oh, yeah. I'm calling it right now. Batman, Killing Time, Issue 3. Tom King writing with David Marquez on the art. So, yeah, you didn't like the first issue of this then, I guess? I can't even remember if I read it or not. It was the one with the bank heist, and it was sort of jumping around town and all the different characters and what they were doing? No, I think I just decided I'd, I don't want any more Tom King books, especially not a Batman book. I'm sick of them. All right, okay. Well, uh, issue three uh, still plays with the time jumping around as it's been doing with each issue. And uh, this is pretty solid, honestly. Like, I, you know, I, I really liked issue one. Issue two had a lot of good stuff in it, but it was maybe a little bit harder to follow with the jumping around. Uh, this one, 
is a bit more streamlined and while it does jump back and forth throughout this day um you know it opens with the riddler's being raced in the batmobile that's been driven by catwoman and he's been shot uh she's taken him maybe to a hospital maybe to somewhere else and it jumps back and then the, the main point of this issue is to introduce this villain um called the help that's his name and he's like an assassin that's hired by people um later when it jumps back we find out that penguin lying in the hospital bed after last issue you know barely able to do anything except write a note says you know call the help kill them all uh so his henchman does that uh mr sardine uh which i, I you know i like the idea that he's got a henchman named mr sardine that's quite funny to me but uh, so this guy, the help, he's this bald. He's, he's almost like, think, think Hitman, Agent 47, but a little bit more wrinkled, and he wears like what looks like a butler outfit instead of a suit and tie. So, so Tom King, basically. <laughs> yeah. uh, nah, Tom, Tom King's got like a more, more uh, square jaw, I'd say, than this fella. This is more of a, a skinnier, bald man. How very uh, kind of you. Uh, but... <laughs> Tom King's a perfectly fine looking man what do you want from me <laughs> um, but yeah so a lot of this issue is the arrival of this guy how he shoots Riddler and the fact because the last issue ended with uh, Batman racing towards the safe house that Riddler and Catwoman were hiding out in and Batman comes racing in right after the gunshot throws a batarang at the help and there's a fight that takes place between Batman and the help throughout the most of the issue which is really well drawn. Obviously, Marquez is fantastic art. And the big gimmick of it is that this guy is really good. Like, he is really well trained to the point where, as he's fighting Batman, he starts recognizing who taught him certain moves. And he goes, oh, that's a Descartes. And he references, like, how he knows Descartes. And he's like, oh, that's an Al move. I mean, most people wouldn't even, like, do an Al move because, like, he'd probably come and kill you for doing it. This is very reminiscent to what we had in the first part of that Batman backup with Deathstroke mm-hmm. where he was doing the, they, they were doing the same thing with each other like oh yeah recognize those moves yeah, yeah it's very very much like there's a bit more detail with this though where he keeps going um, and ultimately the help wins he knocks out Batman uh, and he actually says hey you know what and this is an early Batman story keep in mind but he's like hey after maybe five years of like a lot of mistakes you're, you're going to be quite like formidable like you're already great but like you know you, you may be on my level in about five years but he, he sort of takes out his car and says, hey, if you want to learn and like, you know, be more efficient about it, like I'm happy to like, teach. And he puts like, a card on his unconscious body <laughs> to offer his like, assistance. Uh, but he goes in to find Riddler and Cat. But they've fled. They've stolen the Batmobile, which is, you know, ties into like where we started with the issue with them. Um, and he's, he's kind of pissed about it. But then this other guy shows up, the guy who was on his way to, on behalf of whoever's going to buy the item they stole from the safe, from the vault. Um, and this, the help kills him, brutally murders him, and decides he's going to go after this item as well. We still don't know exactly what this item is, there's a lot of teasing, there's another flashback in this issue to, to history, to show the lineage of this. Although it does start to incorporate more characters, it shows you how it was, it was buried, uh, with this body, because this brother was, thought this item in the box was going to bring his sister back to life. And it cuts to years later, you know, about 150 years ago. I'm not on the page, I don't know what the exact year was. But you find out that when it's dug up and found, every all the farmers who were there, because they were digging up land to farm, were all killed. 
and it ended up in the possession of Razal Ghul. And then we also see when Razal Ghul was training Bruce, he gave it to him as a gift. So this lineage is sort of really starting to come into focus now in issue three. Um, and the issue even ends with Catwoman opening the little box and looking at whatever it is. So uh, she she calls it the Eye of God. I don't know if that's, you know, that literal though. It's more just, I think, it's kind of like Pulp Fiction when they open the, the case and it's just the glowing light. It's like, what is this thing? And part of me even thinks they might not completely reveal what it is. Maybe they're going to keep it as this Pulp Fiction-esque mystery. I, I don't know if, um, if Matt's going to agree with that. I've, I've, I didn't look into his thoughts on this one. But uh, maybe he'll be mad at that if that's what they do with it. But anyway, there's little bits here or there, like uh, Riddler and Catwoman, because they know that the Batmobile's probably going to be tracked, so when they get to a cliff, they like roll it off and it explodes. Uh, and Batman, when he finds it later, and he's pissed about it, he does comment that there's a lot of fuel in the Batmobile because he has lots of reserve tanks, so it's like the, the fire goes for ages. And I'm like, all right, yeah, whatever. That makes loads of sense. Uh, well, he's got all these boosters and things, doesn't he? That, that's not quite the same as having reserve tanks. I know. Well, I mean, it says it's going at 187 miles per hour at one point. Presumably, if you're going to keep up speeds like that for a while, you need a big tank. Sure. One tank. <laughs> Why does he fit in multiple tanks of fuel? I don't know. It's like a really... Absurd, well, let, me, let me find the exact line, because it was a very specific thing. Because it's after he wakes up and he sees that the... Uh, the help has killed this guy who was here to negotiate. Um, and that's a really well done scene. I actually thought all the scenes with the help fighting was good, but I especially liked all the quiet moments when he's like getting ready, you know, when he's right before he kills this guy, when the, when this, uh, you know, associate of the, the buyer shows up. We don't know who's trying to buy it. We just know that there's a buyer and this, he sent this guy, uh, the thing about like finding stuff when you, in this book is that because it's playing a lot with time and it's jumping back and forth a lot, it's actually quite hard to find a specific moment because it's not chronological. Uh, but you know the the help stuff is quite vicious. Uh, but yeah, well here, here we go. So Batman finds the flaming Batmobile at the bottom of the cliff. Uh, the fall ignited the rocket fuel and tank fourteen. So it's fourteen. It's specifically a tank. For the rocket thruster, not the actual regular tank for, you know, just the car running. Right, but tank 14 implies there are at least 14 <laughs> tanks in there. Yes, there's a lot of tanks in this Batmobile, yes. What sort of design are we looking at for the Batmobile here? Is it, is it more one of the tank ones, or is it more of a classic? Honestly, I'd say this one's more like, the, probably one of the more car-shaped ones. It's not too big, comparatively. Are, are we talking, like... The eighty nine style, you know, style car, or like the Corvette style. Uh, yeah, it's not as long as the uh, the eighty nine one. It's it's more like a modified regular size car, I'd say. Okay, that's that, that's a concerning amount of fuel tanks in in a car of that size. Yeah, yeah, I'd say it's a pretty normal sized, maybe a bigger car, but like a normal big car, not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely not big. something stupid. Yeah, it, it's got the. Uh, you know, the, the top opening doors, you know, the ones that lift up the DeLorean. No, no, okay, DeLorean. Yeah. no, no, not the DeLorean, sorry. Because DeLorean lift up, they, they hinge at the front still. Uh, the ones that sort of go up the way, like, completely. And another one, John, about yeah. 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 But anyway. Okay. Uh, I mean, that DeLorean does go up the way. But there is cars that hinge at the front like that, where they sort of go up the way, but hinged at the front. They do, yes. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think I was right the first time, the DeLorean does actually open up like that. Anyway. <laughs> 
just my, my brain playing tricks on me. Uh, but yeah, that's really good. I, I really like the, uh, the, the fight between the help and Batman, but I especially liked everything else with the help. And the help goes back to Penguin at the end and basically says, look, I'll still kill the people you asked me to kill. And I will, you know, return everything they took from you. Uh, minus, of course, my my fee uh, for killing them, as as is. But it makes it very clear that he is, you know, he's getting older now, and he wants to look for his retirement. So he's going to look for this item because he he now suspects what this item is that everyone's after. Uh, so there's some really moody stuff of him sitting next to Penguin in the hospital bed, and he's killed his guards outside. Um some really good stuff there's like a there's a panel at the bottom where he pulls out a blade and penguins like on life support and he's got one eye open and he looks terrified it's like a really nice like sort of horrific scary thriller panel uh there's also a moment where batman like is returning a bike like a motorbike somewhere that he stole to get back and he leaves like an envelope with like what was it ninety seven thousand dollars in it <laughs> for bar- a specific amount for borrowing the bit it's actually even more specific. it's ninety seven thousand four hundred and thirty eight dollars I wonder if that number's a, a reference to something, and that's why it's so specific. It might be, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, I mean, I appreciate that you wanted to give him a nice bit of money for, you know, borrowing the bike, because you, 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 he's not a thief, he's Batman. Uh, but that seems absurdly high just for stealing the bike for an hour. <laughs> it does, yeah. But hey, I mean, it'll stop him from going to the police or anything like that. Uh, yeah, so, no, I, I really dug uh, this one. I thought it was a tighter issue again much like issue one and it did a really successful job of introducing a villain where i mean i'm not sure if this is a completely new villain like this might be something that's a pill from somewhere but i i I don't recognize the help as a character uh so this was an introduction to me and i thought they did a really good job of selling him as a threat selling him as a sort of smart cold calculated kind of character uh which it may be in the context of of batman because we're so used to getting joker stories having someone who is very different to that is refreshing uh, and i think the whole butler vibe and like call himself the help the idea you call him to you know clean up your mess and but the you know the mess being bodies in this case uh yeah you know, it's, it's just intimidating he's, he's got a good look to him um the art is very moody very stylish at points uh it does the kind of like you know the, the multiple panels of a facial expression and the changing as time goes on does that with the help quite a few times some of the flashbacks are notably very different and they're coloring like the uh the three-page layout where the the woman's being buried in the, the coffin and it's the the brothers putting in the box with the they ate him inside it like the coloring on that page is so different to everything else because she's wearing this red and gold kind of gown and like shawl and she's got the blonde hair you know the, the coloring's a bit more washed out because it's going for this kind of almost fairy tale looking flashback kind of feel but all the stuff in the the present day is you know it's it's very stuff like fire is very vivid, but the coloring otherwise is you know it's a lot of dark blacks, inky blacks with you know blues and stuff like that. Uh, so there's there's a lot of good contrast in the atmospheres between the the main story and the flashbacks. Uh, so that's really nice. Um, line work's exceptional, and the, the motion and the fight scene and the pacing of the fight scene between Batman and the help is k- kind of the, the linchpin of the whole thing, because it's this, you know, it, it gets several pages devoted to it, they try to tell us that he's this good, and it does a decent job of selling us on that. Uh, and the fact that Riddler, like, when they're on the run, Riddler says, do you, do you know who that was? Selena, that was the help. You know, and he swears, and he's like, really, you know, he's heard of this guy, he's worried about it. 
So, does a good job. Does a good job of introducing him. Um, other than that, there's a couple of things like, you know, the Riddler and Catwoman, they steal, like, a, like, a truck at one point. Like, Selena kind of, like, pretends, like, the car's broken down and kind of flirts with this truck driver a bit, and then next thing you know, they're in this, this like, you know, semi-truck <laughs> driving down the road. Uh, which, notably, they're only going about, like, 80 miles an hour, because that's the fastest it can go, because <laughs> it's a big, giant truck and not the Batmobile. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. Uh, easily, you know, it's, it's not necessarily up to the prestige book level of Tom King, but it's definitely the, the most I've enjoyed Tom King Batman since his peaks and his run by quite a margin, so. Which is pre-wedding. Yeah, pretty much, pre-wedding, yeah. Which, at this point, was years ago. I, I know. But that's, yeah. that's the point. No, so, I'm, I'm just like, you know, driving that home for people. Like that, that that was a long time ago at this point. Yeah, so I, I am quite happy to give this an 8.5. I thought it was a really strong issue. Uh, the mystery of the box and everyone after it, like I say, the glowing Pulp Fiction case type of vibe is what I'm getting from it. Uh, and all the characters are, I, I think, pretty well written and defined. And uh, yeah, I have very little to complain about, honestly. I, I just had a good time. It's, it's just been a fun story, mostly. Uh, and that's cool. The real question is, though, does Matt agree with you? Yeah, so I see what Matt says. Uh, here he goes. I have zero idea what's in that box, but I don't care. Oh, that's, that's good, actually. Because <laughs> I, I don't know if you get an answer, Matt. <laughs> I'm not convinced you are. Uh, I really enjoy this early Bat story and how King is playing with time throughout, even going far back as 700 years. I think it was even further than that in the last issue of the flashback. I think they've been getting more recent as the issues mm. have gone on. Uh, got a cheap pop when they mentioned Raz. Not a fan of the help per se, but I like the idea that there's a uber henge uh, that people with money call in. In my head, uh, he's sounding like Jason Statham. I, I did not get Jason Statham from this guy at all. Uh, but fair enough, Matt. Next uh, issue, that's all you're going to hear now. Uh, Marquez's art is awesome. The fight scene with the help is visceral, and there is a sense of flow that goes with the time gimmick. Yeah, they mention time a lot in this issue as well, actually. They keep talking about how much time they've got left and stuff like that. Uh, Matt also gave it an 8.5. Look at that. Oh, wild. Lining up. So, very cool. Very cool. Um, so, moving on. Task Force Z, issue 7, Matthew Rosenberg. Writing with Daniel HDR and Jackson Herbert on the art. So this is actually a different art team uh, than we've had. Do you remember who the normal artists are? Um, I want to say Barrows. Was it Eddie Barrows that was in the art? That sounds familiar, actually. If it wasn't him, it was someone like him, certainly. But anyway, uh, and I say that pretty confidently because I do think it does a decent job in this issue of feeling similar. You know, I can tell there's a difference, especially there's like a, a dream sequence at the start. Night, uh, Nightwing. Uh, it's because I was like a nightmare. Because uh, it is a nightmare. Uh, Jason's having this nightmare where he's fighting Joker and lots of other Bat villains, and he's basically just losing. And then even uh, Nightwing and Batgirl show up, and their faces start to deteriorate. Like they're also zombies, like the people he's been working with. So he wakes up, and uh, the, the two clones are there, and He's butt-ass naked, and he's like, what's going on? And she's like, hey, we told you that the resin can cause, uh, like, seriously 
terrifying nightmares. <laughs> like, vivid nightmares. Although, I've got a theory that they could actually be psychic visions of the future, and Jason is just like, oh, great. <laughs> because it was just this, you know, all the villains are going to win, and all of his family are going to die. <laughs> so That's definitely a vision of the future. I got a chuckle out of that. Uh, yeah. yeah, the main thing of this issue is that the team is a little bit depleted. They've got Bane, KJ Beast, and Mr. Freeze, but they need more. So the idea is to go and recruit some other villains who were previously working with the with the, the evil lady who was introduced in the last couple issues. So it's basically the various team members going to recruit. So KJ Beast goes to Copperhead, uh, and we get a page of them having a bit of a fight. Um, and then we go to... Uh, basically where the victim syndicate are hiding out, and I thought that was kind of cool to bring them up, actually. Uh, it's, there's one in particular that Freeze is here for, Mr. Freeze goes there, and there's kind of a running gag in this book where every time he's about to enter a scene, someone says, did it just get cold in here? Then you turn the page and Mr. Freeze is standing there. Uh, simple enough, but, uh, so, a couple of pages on that. Uh, is it, probably one of the more interesting ones is Bane going to Grundy, and Grundy immediately, like, starts fighting Bane, but Bane fights back a little bit and then makes it very clear he bows down and goes down on one knee and says no like i respect you um i used to think you i didn't think much of you before but now that i've actually died and come back i actually kind of like sympathize with you somewhat uh to grundy and makes it clear that he's here kind of as a friend and you know it's kind of a nice little beat um Meanwhile, Jason gets dropped off to go and deal with Zaz, because he's going to try and recruit him, which ends up being a big fight in a junkyard, uh, where Zaz is just like... Because at one point he slices him a little bit with his blade and he licks the blood off of his knife. He's like, oh, you taste good boy, or something like that. And I'm sure, like, why not? <laughs> why, why are you recruiting Zaz? Like, most other villains at least like feel like you could reason with them. Zaz is just like a psychopath. <laughs> he is straight up just a nut job. Yeah. Like, he 100% belongs in Arkham. Yeah, meanwhile, Two-Face goes to speak to Evil Doctor Lady uh, to try and sort of, I don't know, shake things up uh, and maybe get her to play ball with them a little bit. Uh, it doesn't work, but we also see that she's working with Bloom still, and Bloom's obviously the big evil mastermind. But this is Because this, this team, they're forming to take down Bloom, but they've got limited resin, they have to go in with, with people, they, have to, they need a team of some kind. Uh, we see Bloom, though, is doing experiments, and he's actually, he's re- resurrected Man-Bat again, but the way he's done it is, like, weird. It's, and he says he'll grow to full size, but right now, he's just, like, a human baby with a man-bat head. So, if you want a little bit of weirdness, and Mr. Bloom going, oh, he's so cute, I wish I could keep him like this. If that sounds funny to you, maybe you'll enjoy Task Force Z. <laughs> it definitely does sound strange. Yeah, so that's all pretty decent. Uh, So, yeah, um... I see. There's a, a lot of the fight with Zaz and Jason Todd. The big thing, though, is when everyone gets back and Two Face gets back, and he sees, wait, how many, you know, how many people did we successfully recruit? And Grundy is the only one who came <laughs> out of everyone that was supposedly recruited. And it does make sense because if you go back and read all those pages, he's the only one where that like Bane actually made a case and was tried to like respectfully ask him and be nice to him. Everyone else get into a fight. I mean, in Mr. Freeze's case, he just froze her immediately. Uh, so it's like, okay, well, that makes sense, of course. Uh, so, yeah, the end of the issue here is, oh, shit, like, we, we need to, because, you know, like, we, we, this is who we have, what are we going to do? 
and like Bane and KG Beast have collapsed again because the resin they had like wasn't a big dose, so it's not lasting very long. And it's like, okay, well, we have to, you know, use what resin we've got left to get them back online. We have to do all this quickly because we only have enough for one try. And then on the unfortunate news that all the resin they had left has been stolen. Because when Mr. Freeze comes back earlier in the issue, the the two clones are talking about how like there's just enough resin left because uh because he's asking like okay how much resin is left and they say to mr freeze well we have to divvy this up uh, amongst everyone and uh, you know that'll give them like enough time to do the mission and he's like yeah but how much would just all of this to one person do and one of them says oh that'd be enough to keep you alive permanently and the, the other clone's like shut up stop telling them things and lo and behold would you believe it mr freeze steals all of this resin is now just alive how dare he? So, the end of the issue is like, well, is there anywhere else we can get some resin? Like, Jason, you had some. Where did, who did you give it to? And he's like, yep, we can go get it, but he's not going to like it. And then at the end, it says, you know, next time, let's rob Batman. <laughs> so, Jason has to go steal what resin he gave to Batman for testing back so that he can give it to the team so they can go and fight Bloom and his army. So, Sure, why not? That that is where we are with Task Force Z. Uh, pretty fun issue. Uh, the art is notably different. It is definitely cleaner than it was before. But you can you can definitely feel the inkers trying to make the shadows consistent with the type of style that we had before, so it doesn't feel too jarring. And I appreciate that. Uh, you know, this may just be a case of having one issue off to get caught up and stay on track with the issues. Uh, for whatever reason it may be. Um, but the art's not bad by any means. There's certainly some fun little moments, uh, sprinkled mm. throughout. Because it is a lot of like these two-page segments of the various characters going to recruit other characters, there is a lot of variety in who the artist gets to draw. You know, there's a lot of... Uh, oh, the two artists, I should say. Who they get to draw. Um, so, and so, some fare better than others. Uh, but, you know. I do like uh, some of the Mr. Freeze stuff where he's effectively in complete shadow, but the, the light inside his like, helmet and the glow of his chest plate like, are lighting up. So he, he looks kind of cool. Like, he's in darkness, but there's this just light emanating from a couple of key parts of him. Uh, that's pretty neat. Not the first time I've seen it done, but, you know, good all the same. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, pretty solid. I mean, I, I would happily give this a 7 out of 10 as well. Um, very consistent. You know, that, I think this and the Flashbook are kind of, like, both in my just really constant solid reads. Not reinventing any wheels. But all I'm always happy I read them. I'm always... I have a smell in my face multiple times throughout an issue. So it's good times. Plus uh seeing Two Face like freak out and be worried that he's he can't resurrect all of his suicide squad is kinda of funny. So yeah, seven out of ten from me. Now Matt does read this too, so I will head over to the correspondence and see what Matt says about it. Uh Task for Z. Another good issue, Rosenberg is writing a fun book that went from straight comic book superhero types to almost being a heist book. Seeing the team kill people was odd, because uh, they are still heroes. The Zaz fight was a highlight. Never trust Freeze. Haha. Uh, Miss Barrows. Oh, it is Barrows. Uh, Matt confirmed it. Thank you very much, Matt. Uh, <laughs> but this artist was fine. Uh, the baby bat was sufficiently creepy, as was everything with Bloom. I wouldn't have called him creepy. I thought it was hilarious, but, you know, <laughs> whatever. Uh, he gave it an 8 out of 10. So Matt, Matt's quite positive. 
on Matt positive on a book. I know it's just strange. I know, but uh, he was in a Task Force Z. Uh, I think it's a fun little book. Like I think if you had a few issues and it's not for you, then yeah, just leave it. You're not going to want it again. But uh, I would recommend people do give it a chance. See if they're into it. Uh, but there you go. That is Task Force Z. Um, so cool. Uh, before we go into Patreon books, uh, Matt did also read Monkey Prince. So I won't timestamp this because it's not a full review, but. I will also now give you Matt's thoughts on Monkey Prince, since he read it. So, he didn't say what issue number it was, and I don't have that um, offhand. So, just whatever issue. Issue 3, probably? Maybe 4? Uh, I will check while you start talking about it. Yeah, yes. You may. Oh, it's 4. I just saw it in the list. It's number 4. Yeah, it's 4. There you go. All right. Uh, to tell the truth, this book is losing me a little bit. Oh no, Trouble in Paradise. Uh, it was kind of mixed in the last issue as well, if I, if I remember was, right. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I'm missing things due to a lack of Chinese mythology. I assume he means Chinese mythology knowledge and understanding. That he's, uh, that he's familiar yeah. with, not yeah. just that, that they don't have any. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it just read a little bit weird. <laughs> That's what it sounded like. Uh, yeah. That said, Gain's characterizations and the characters are spot on. Uh, Damien is still a jerk, but has his softer side coming out. Uh, talking to the prince. Uh, Chang's art is still great. Highlight is when Monkey Prince cuts himself in the half horizontally and has uh, well, has, has his top half help Batman fight Golden Horn Penguin and the bottom half save his parents. Also, <laughs> when... What? <laughs> also, when uh, they exercise the golden horn demon, so also exercise. Uh, uh, I read that as a uh, as an exercising, <laughs> not exercise as in you've exercised the demon. <laughs> oh, you meant as in go for a run? Yes. <laughs> uh, That's well, very I different. I didn't realize we were dealing with possession. Okay, like he didn't set that up. <laughs> No, that, that's fair. Also, when they exercise golden horn demon from uh, penguin. Uh, it's pretty ghastly, and that demon pulled through uh, enough kui from the Batman that it took a Batman-like form, so that was cool. 7.5. That's still a pretty fair rating for a book you started off with saying. It's losing you. 7.5 <laughs> is very generous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My, my scale's a little on the, the, the weird Oh, my, side. my scale's broken. Never mm. would have guessed. A little bit on the weird side. Alright, I can finally stop talking for a bit. Uh, so every month on patreon.com slash TV, you can make myself a Connor read a book at uh, one of the higher tiers. And uh, these are mostly books uh, just making up for, for last month, just slipping into this month a little bit because of the last uh, busy are. week. Mine, mine are 50-50, thank you very much. Uh, that's three out of four. Yeah, yeah, but I don't like being lumped in with your collective lateness. <laughs> well, fine. Mine, mine's only late because I wasn't here the week it came out. And the next week is this week. First up is uh, Harley Quinn issue 14. Connor, by all means. Yes, it's still Rosmo. <laughs> the first, like, I don't know, 10, 7 or 8, 9 pages of this book. Uh, not even Harley Quinn. It's it's Batwoman. There's a, There's been a murder. Uh, there's a corrupt judge. And... Uh, He's found dead in it, in it, in the in the courthouse, underneath the uh, there's a statue. You know, like you know, someone holding the, the the scales of justice. You know, and a sword. And he, he's dead underneath it. 
And it's it's Batwoman investigating it and talking to to Babs on on the comms, being like, all right, well, you know, let's solve this. And oh, there's a there's someone watching. You know, it's that new uh, judgment. I, I I can't remember her name. I'll be honest. She was introduced last issue. Um, <laughs> okay. It, it, very briefly, last issue, like at the end of last issue, was like, oh look, there's a new villain. Um. She's, she claims that she is Gotham's, Gotham's Judgment. Um, I don't know if that's her name, Gotham's Judgment. But she, she wears a mask that says guilty and a cape that says guilty a lot. Just that, that's her shtick. Um, but basically the, uh, the thing that's set up is, oh, this, this murder doesn't actually match any unsolved murders that we've got on file. But it does match um, the exact pattern of someone who was already arrested for, for a bunch of crimes. And who would it be except Harley Quinn? Um, and it cuts to her in Blackgate. Uh, and, you know, Kevin comes to see her. And they're like, hey, yeah, well, we, we can, we got, we got a lawyer lined up that maybe, maybe you do a plea deal. She's like, well, you don't actually believe I did this, do you? And he's like, well, there is photos of you doing it. And, and she's like, well, yeah, that's all bullshit. It's not me. But, but no one believes her. And they're like, yeah, maybe you should take a plea deal. Anyway, Kevin's back at home. He's with Sam, and they're talking about, oh well, what we're we gonna do, and maybe we'll see, you know, maybe we'll see what happens with her. But maybe she really did commit these murders. And there is a a little bit of an insinuation that Sam is this guilty judgment villain character. Um, not much, just oh, you know, she's got this suspicious cut on her arm right after this fight with Batwoman the night before. Uh, so. And I, I think there is a point where Batwoman slashes her arm a bit with a, uh, you know, uh, it's hard to say exactly because Rosmo's fight scenes are messy, shall we say? They're they're not they're not the best, uh, along with a lot of his other stuff. But yeah, messy fight scenes. So I I think it's supposed to be that. Um, that, that, that's that's definitely the strong implication anyway is she's the villain all along and anyway harley's in blackgate batwoman comes in she's like hey we need to talk there's a riot going on there's yet another fight scene yet another very messy fight scene where i'm following what's going on very disjointedly and uh batwoman just breaks harley quinn out temporarily so that they can go and go and talk and see what's going on but yeah, it's a pretty straightforward issue as these Harley Quinn issues go. There's no real jumping around in time or anything like that. I will say, this is the first time in a, in a while on this book where at the start I felt like I'd missed an issue. like Because it, it, it just dropped me in on all this stuff and Harley's in Blackgate and I don't remember a lot of this from last issue. And Maybe it was there and I'm forgetting, but for for all this book's problems, I still tend to remember the general gist of what happened. Once once I start reading it, like I'm like, okay, yeah, I remember this is where we were. This took a lot longer to come back to me, or it, it, some of it still hasn't, where I don't remember if it did show some stuff or if it's taking some liberties and doing a bit of a jump forward. But yeah, I, I really felt like I was missing missing an issue, and I had to go back and check I'd read the previous issue, it was like, even though I'm like, oh, I'm sure I would have done, but. 
Well, yeah, it was a Patreon uh, book, so I hope you read the last right, that, issue. Right, that's what I was, I was like, did I read? Like, I'm, I, There was a moment where I was like, am I that far behind on my Patreon books? Did I miss a whole thing? Am I like, you know, is this supposed to be the month before that I'm due to read? Um, and it's not. I, I did read that. I checked. I, it's just, yeah, you know, it lost me this time for some reason. Um, but honestly, it's more straightforward than most of these issues have been. Like I said, there's no jumping around in time. It's not compelling, but it's not as bad as, as a lot of them. Um, it's probably a a 4 out of 10, because it's hard to be much higher than that with Rosmo doing Rosmo things. Okay. All right. Well, American Vampire issue 25 is what I'm going to talk about first. Uh, this is the final part of the the uh, the greaser arc, you know, the <laughs> the uh, the the road arc. Um, Death Race is what it's called. Um, so we ended the last issue with a cliffhanger of Skinner and the kid kind of like finally going toe to toe, and the first chunk of the issue. It was a very quick. This arc has been such a quick read because so much of it has been either a car race or a, in this case a fight scene. Uh, that is really well written. There's a lot of like anger, Skinner Sweet smiling through his bloody mouth as he's like, you know, getting slashed with a gold dagger and things like that. Uh, but Skinner also bites him. Uh, but bad news for Skinner is that this uh, this this kid, he actually consumed or injected gold dust <laughs> into himself so that this would affect Skinner. So Skinner starts feeling sick. Um, and this leads the kid to sort of explain his backstory a little bit and how he was hiding in this little hotel when a group of vampires came in and he heard the name Skinner Sweet uh, sent them there. So he's been kind of hunting Skinner Sweet uh, for, mur- for this group of vampires murdering his parents very viciously uh, when he was a child. So, you know, I mean, it's exactly the sort of thing you expected it to be. But uh, it's, it's well done. You know, the entire sequence is uh, bathed in kind of like reds and oranges to give it this sort of harsh... Both like a CPS style thing, but also more danger. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, so yeah, you got the flames in the background as uh, he's he's telling Skinner this story, and he's you know monologuing. The fight picks back up again. Skinner fights back, but then eventually Hobbs shows up, and the big sort of kind of like thing it gets into here is that Skinner for a while has been working for Hobbs. And the kids noticed this because when he's looking at the files and stuff, he's like, something happened after World War II. Something around that time changed and you've not been as vicious. You've not had the same edge. You've not been doing as much of the same stuff. And he's called, he's referred to as Agent Sweet. Um, he helps Skinner deal with the, the gold dust that he's consumed. They're going to, like, you know, fix him up. And, you know, that, that, so it's kind of a big sort of mythology progression and kind of the st- ongoing like tale of Skinner Sweet and all the things he's going through. It's a really interesting thing to kind of establish here and, and a new door opens up that, you know, should be interesting to explore. Uh, the big other ending of the issue, though, is that the kid kind of sneaks off and he's the girl's with him again. The girl who was in the trunk, the girl that he was dating, who was leading people back to the vampire, fake parents. Um, he's taken her, you know, home. And just before they go in, he says, okay, how many are waiting in there for me? And he's like, hey, now your parents were like, worship this whole, this whole, you know, group of vampires, this whole, uh, what was the word they used? It wasn't coven, was it? Yeah, it was coven. Satellite coven. 
Yeah, I guess you, I guess you can use coven for vampires. That's more more of a, a witch thing. I'd I'd thought, but you know, whatever. Yeah, uh, I, I get it though. Like I say, typically you associate with witches, but I, I guess you could use it for any group of supernatural beings, right? Yeah. Uh, or if you are a civilized individual, you may pronounce it as coven. Uh, but you have no idea what I'm referencing there, do you? I don't want to. Watch a documentary called American Movie. That's my advice to you. I don't think I want to. Oh, you do. That that smirk on your face tells me I really don't want no, to. No, you do. It's, it is good. It's, it's genuinely good. But it's about this this young filmmaker trying to make a movie. And he calls his short film... Or his movie that he wants to make, Coven. And someone tries to correct him that it's Coven. And he says, no, that's stupid. That sounds like Oven. It's a pretty, fu- it's a funny documentary. It's not wrong. <laughs> anyway, uh, so the girl starts crying and says it was twenty at least, and then he, he kills her. So you know th- this girl who the, the story's been trying to like get us to sort of sympathize with that she's been doing this under duress. Like she was still trying to lure him into vampires. She was still loyal to that until the very end. And this poor guy is like even having to kill her. And he's told that it's, it's more than he can handle. There's like 20 vampires. So the end of the story is him kicking down the door, dual-wielding pistols, saying that's rock and roll. So it's, it kind of fits into the attitude that this character's had the whole time, this rebellious idea. Uh, he puts in like you know some vampire th- uh, fangs in his mouth before he goes in as well, the idea that he can also bite them <laughs> while he's fighting, which is kind of neat. Uh, the other thing that comes back up is when he's talking to Skinner about uh, the... Yeah, you know, the, the 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 arc started with this interview about why teenagers and their brains can't comprehend certain things, and he's telling this to Skinner that he heard this interview. But he says, "But you know, there's some things that adults can't understand." And he says, "Adults can't understand what cool is. You just can't function. You just functionally can't comprehend what is cool and what is not. Um, and cool is not caring. Cool is not giving a shit. And you know, kind of thing." So yeah, he kind of t- tries to wrap it back around. I mean, honestly, yeah, the, the whole arc is just this kind of adrenaline-fueled sort of, you've got this sort of badass, no-nonsense main character who's got a score to settle. Uh, this, more than any of the arcs in this book, certainly thus far, feel very Scott Snyder, because I know Scott Snyder's like a big Elvis fan, and he really likes the 50s. So it feels like this is the era that he's been mo- the most excited about doing a story in. So... You can kind of feel that shining through. Art's very good as it always has been with Albuquerque. Um, yeah, but the, the the big thing though is there's a little epilogue uh, where we go to a house in California, and you kind of assume it's going to be Pearl and Henry. Uh, now in this time period, Henry is looking older. He's waiting for Pearl to come home, but there's a man at the door trying to sell him stuff, and very quickly it's revealed to not really be a salesman. It's obviously a monster in disguise. A vampire, uh, you might say. Uh, and the, the end of the issue is Pearl coming home, dropping her groceries, and the fast, you know, the splash page at the end is her, you know, kneeling down next to Henry's dead body, and he's got a big bite mark. Like, and it looks like a big chunk as well that's come out of his neck rather than just, uh, like, two, two you know, punctures. Because it's like a big chunk's just been bit out of his neck. Uh, so, Pearl is going to be very motivated getting to, uh, the next arc, or if she's not in the next arc, then whatever the next uh, story with her in it is going to be. Uh, 
So, excited. It really propels her as a character. She's got something to settle now. And I wonder if she ends up working with the vassals again, if that means that her and Skinner are going to be forced to work on the same side, probably. And I have read this before, but it's been a long time. I don't remember what happened next. <laughs> so uh, That does happen when you read that many comics and, you know, years later. So a lot, of, a lot of smaller details tend to slip your mind. Oh, yeah, especially since I didn't read this as it was coming. I binge read this in like a month, you know, when I first read it a long time ago. So That makes sense. So even more so hard to remember. But uh, I am enjoying going through it again. And uh, this was exactly the sort of finale this arc would have had so uh really solid 8 out of 10 uh can't fault it so there you go uh so back over to Connor then uh, your next patreon book was Noctera issue 8 yeah this book continues to be a blast um Scott Snyder and Tony Daniel uh still um uh, every issue obviously except the uh the one shot which had a different artist but um this has a, a really cool opening actually where the, there's this guy in a in a helmet is running towards Outpost 52. I wonder if, if Snyder and Daniel chose 52 just as a little, a little nod to them both being DC alum. Oh, maybe. Um, uh, and this is Fort Speed. And uh, there's some narration talking about how, yeah, every, everything's kind of, you know, they talk about the, the big PN, it's a world of fractions where Okay, everything got divided and divided and divided, and there's, there's barely anything left anymore. But they talk about how, because there's barely anything left, the people who have survived, the vast majority of them are actually like really quite good people, like they're kind and they look out for each other because they kind of have to. Um, so you know, this guy, you know, they do welcome him in, you know, even though they're right behind him. But uh, that 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 he murders them all. There's there's just the sequence of him just, uh pulling out a gun and just absolutely just destroying them. And, and Daniel's arc gets really visceral uh, with this, where he just blows off their heads with the with the gun from, like, close range, and you see, like, the, the head just explode. And it's probably not realistic, but it looks great. And uh, that, that's what matters. Uh, and then and then he pulls off the helmet, and it reveals that uh, he, he seems to be a, this is Blacktop Bill. Or if not, Bill, as, as there's something later in the issue, someone else who looks similar. Uh, it, it's definitely part of his organization. I, I do think it is Bill, though. Um, but yeah, the uh, Sundog Convoy are just, yeah, they're, they're still going. They're deciding that, okay, they think this is Bill. They're going to go and hunt him down. Um, but I'll get back to them because we do, we do get introduced to another character. Uh, Bill's organization, the Nocturnes, he is the leader of those. But we get introduced to someone else, also called Bill. Well, they call him William uh, over the comms, and he's like, "Well, you know, I, I actually got to go by by Bill. You know, only you and, and and my dad call me William." He's like, "Well, tough shit. We got two Bills, and one's the leader, so he gets to be Bill. You, you're you're William. Screw you." But you know, if if maybe if you can take him down, um, get the information off him that that we need before it falls into the wrong hands, maybe we'll let you be Bill. Um, so, so Bill's now being hunted by his own organization. Um, but he is having visions. He, he's got some helmet that lets him, some helmet and some drugs that lets him communicate with, uh, uh I can't remember the thing's name, Nocturne. Like, it's like the, the, uh, the king of the, the shades or the shadows. 
And uh, when when they catch, you know, the, when the Sundog convoy catch up with him, and are like, hey, you know, hey, we, you know, give us the information, or we're going to torture you. He's like, do you know what? You you don't need to. I'm I'm going to work with you. I, I've just seen what this not what the what the plan is, and there's no space for any humanity in it. And because up to this point, he was working on the assumption that, hey, you know, I I, I can rule and be a psycho and can I just do what I want and it'll be fine I'll, I'll carry on as I am but now he's communicated with this being and it's quite a trippy sequence and it's it's this big like almost like a big tree there's no leaves but it's like, like, like a big massive tree trunk with like branches kind of coming off it lots of eyes and the way it plays it, it plays it kind of like Sauron's eye in, in the Lord of the Rings movies the way it kind of stares and finds them um, but it's it's a very effective sequence, uh, and he's like, Do you know what? Uh, you know, I, I've seen what their plan is. I'm gonna have no space. I'm gonna join force with you. I'm gonna help you take it down. I'm gonna help you, you know, get get of else unless you know, save the world. And and that's uh that's got the big cliffhanger. They're like, all right, welcome to Sundog Convoy. This this guy who has been hunting them tried to kill them three times. I think they point out in this issue and. Uh, killed the the character who's narrating at the moment. It killed her her grandfather. That was kind of the end of the uh, the first arc. That was that big thing. And now he's working with them, and it's a it's definitely a, a big shift in kind of where we've been because Bill has been you know just hunting since maybe the second issue. I think uh, he's kind of just been there. And um, yeah, this this definitely shakes things up, and it's it's interesting that this isn't the end of an arc because that's the sort of thing you expect kind of be the end of the arc reveal. Uh, but it's not, so I'm very interested to see what the next couple of issues do um, with this new status quo and if this can last. How you know if he can be trusted, that, those sort of things. They, they they are handcuffing him still, but uh, well, yeah, so it's really interesting. A very quick issue to read, actually. Um, probably the quickest issue yet, to the point where it felt like less pages. I don't think it is. I think it's the right amount of pages, but it felt like less because of the way it was so neatly split up with that opening introduction section. You've got the you you have the intro, a little bit of Sundog, uh, a few pages of that other William, and then this bit of Sundog and Bill at the end. And it, it's, it's there's only like the four scenes in it, and they all move so fast. But um, yeah, really strong issue. Um, it's probably an eight point five. Okay. Um, so my other Patreon book, uh, to catch up on is Animal Man issue 19. And this was one that was kind of hyped up. People seem to remember this this one. Is this the issue? Uh, I suspect it is the issue. I mean, the opening page is a computer and there's some dictionaries lying around and, you know, it's, it's kind of like someone's maybe writing a script perhaps for for a comic Uh, book. Yeah. You know, that, that was... My assumption at this point, anyway, just knowing how meta that I... One, how Grant Morrison can get, but also just the reputation that I know this, this run has. Uh, but, you know, so so Owlman and the other dude, uh, Highwater, are still on top of the, the cliff, and they're still kind of seeing things, and Owlman sees a big eye, and he kind of falls in, and then there's a whale. <laughs> like, I don't even... What? And then there's like a recap of his history, like how he got his powers that just kind of like summarizes things. Um, and then he falls into a vortex, lands in a pool of blood, 
all good stuff. And then there's an animal man staring at him. A more, a more grizzled, just slightly older looking animal man. He's got a bit more sort of the, the classic like lines in his face. It's almost like a almost like it's meant to be stubble, but it's not, but it kind of has that look almost. Mm. Um and he's like, Who are you? He's like, I'm Animal Man. And basically this is Animal Man from Pre Crisis. Presumably anyway. I mean I, I don't know much about Animal Man Pre Crisis, but I'm assuming that that's what this is. Is this is an animal man who's complaining that his his version got erased and got replaced with uh with this buddy. The that... fancy new younger model. Yeah. It was so funny to me about reading this is that the animal man from Post Crisis is the one that I think of as the proper animal man. And that's not to discredit this pr- prior one, but you know what 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 he's upset about is kind of a lot of what we were upset about about many characters after Flashpoint, you know, New Fifty Two kinda ruined a lot of them. Um, it's almost like there's a cycle to these things, isn't there? That's, but I think what's interesting about it, though, is that right from the get-go, in this run in particular, like, Buddy's family and the kids are really good parts of, like, what make Buddy likeable. Like, I, I, the part of what I like about Alma is he does have this family, he does have this sort of system in his life. So, as much as I can appreciate uh, that there was a prior version that changed, it's also true to say that a lot of characters developed into better more full-fledged versions and maybe the problem with new 52 versus prior things like this is that actually new 52 was more like regression whereas a lot of characters from the golden age and silver age were very simplistic until they added more to them Uh, i agree and i happen to think that you know like yes we were right to complain about the new 52 but that said Obviously, we weren't there at the time. I'm sure there were people being oh, like, I want sure. my animal man back. I want, you know. Yeah, I mean, I have no doubt there is definitely things that were lost in Crisis that people who were readers at the time and had been reading for a long time at that point probably did miss. But I think it's an interesting point of comparison. Uh, and it yeah. just, you know, it makes you think a little bit about it. Uh, but he, he fades away, you know, he disappears. And this other animal man. And... There's just like a voice saying, do you really want to know who they are? Because the animal man says, you know, they're all around. Like, wherever we go, you know, we're just characters to them. They're watching us. He's like, who's they? And then this voice goes, you want to know? And turn around now. And he sort of turns around, look over his shoulder, and then the full page spread, which is, I imagine is the page that everyone remembers from this mm. issue, is him looking shocked right at the reader. Just his face, full page saying, I can see you. As if he's talking to us, the reader. And that's him freaking out. And then we're back on top of the cliff and the other guy, Highwater, is like, hey, what's wrong? Is it, can't you see them? They're looking at us. They're up there. You know, wherever we go, they can see us. Um, I, I, if I can make a small critique here, is I almost think on this page, because it's like a six-panel page, I almost think whenever he says, because he's pointing up to the sky, it says they're watching us. I almost wish that in every single panel, he changed direction to whatever way the panel was looking. So that he's always pointing yeah. to us, as if almost the idea that he's like changing every time the camera cuts, kind of thing. That'd be nice. But you know, I, I, I can understand that. Yeah. It's a minor thing, but it's because he, he can't point in the one direction. So, and then it's you know, so we're looking at him from the side, pointing up the way. And I'm like, well, we're not up there anymore. We're over here now. <laughs> so yeah, uh, but yeah, so like you know, maybe we should have taken that weird thing that was lying there. What's, what's interesting though is that it kind of does that. It almost is like. Morrison intentionally did a lot of things in this run so far that he didn't, or sorry, they didn't uh, wrap up or explain and left hanging 
that is intentional because now Buddy's looking at them and going, there's plot holes. Like, why wasn't there more follow-up to the fact that my wife was almost raped in the woods that one time about 12 issues ago? Uh, it's it's interesting. Is do you do you look at this as a case of kind of a get out of jail free card? Is like ah, I didn't well, wrap those up, so I'll I'll just wave them away l- with this little really bit, meta. little bit. Like I think Morrison may be having having their cake and eating it too here. But I will say that it is kind of interesting, and it does sort of feed into a couple of things that because so, some of them feel a bit more intentional, like talking about the. Uh, the aliens being vague about something initially that, that, that felt like it was intentionally mysterious and that him now questioning it is like makes sense because he's thinking about it and he's like oh does this tie into like why they were lying to me kind of thing so some of it feels a bit more intentional whereas that not being followed up upon does feel just like oh that was dropped and maybe it's because it was an ultra dark plot and dc went hey this is a bit much <laughs> so he just kind of mm. shied away from it i mean i don't know but it is interesting to have them sort of point these things out and sort of saying how, oh, you know, one issue, I'm doing this, and then the next minute I'm in Paris on this vacation. And it's like, yeah. I mean, and I think as you read the comic, it's fine. You just assume there's some time has passed between them. So that things have normalized a bit. They went on vacation. And you just sort of accept it. But he's kind of pointing them out and going, ah, no, this, some of this doesn't feel right. Uh, and then there's another big sort of whale moment and there's water around them. The fox talks to them. It's a whole thing. There's another sort of meta moment where Buddy's like in the white of the page. Like there's like three panels on the left and Buddy's on the, the white and he's like, I'm outside. Like I'm outside of the, the world. And it's like, yeah, he's outside the panels. So yeah, some more meta-ness. Um, and, that is what it is. and then uh, Highwater like sort of envisions himself. He thinks he like, falls to his death, but then he wakes up and they're on top of the, the cliff. They seem to be back to normal. Okay, that's all fine and well. The problem is, though, is at the end of the last issue, the cliffhanger was this villain, the one who was talking to uh, Mirror Master, uh, showed up at the house uh, with Ellen. And the end of the issue is Buddy coming home, you know, saying Ellen, he was looking for her, he comes in, uh, the, the calendar has a very similar looking... Well, it has an owl, right? It was, it was, it was like a... Was that all earlier? I think it was an owl, but that was one of the animals that they saw kind of like flying above them when they were hallucinating. And it's got like some blood that I, you know, isn't actually on the photo in the calendar. It's the blood that splashed onto it. And then the final page is both Ellen and the kids lying with blood pouring out of them. They're all dead on the floor. And obviously, my immediate thought is, well, this is somehow getting fixed because. <laughs> I I mean, I'm pretty sure this run does not end with them all dead. Uh, this run ends being even more meta than this issue. I mean, I'm not surprised by that, but I sense yeah. that the meta-ness will lead to this being fixed. Like it was, uh, I mean, I'm not going to spoil it. Yeah, don't spoil it. But it, I mean, at this point, I'm kind of expecting Buddy to ask Grant to fix it. <laughs> That's effectively what I'm expecting now. So, you know, uh, take that for uh, what you will. Uh, it's a good dramatic ending, though, uh, and the meta moments are good. The, the only thing I will critique is that maybe, like, you know, a lot of the last issue was them tripping and seeing these various things, and some of it's interesting, but there are some pages where it's just kind of random shit going on. 
and I don't know if you necessarily needed as much of it over the course of the two issues as there there is, but that is a relatively minor quibble in that, you know, yeah, you could trim maybe like three or four pages or whatever, but it's not like a huge deal. But the the, tr- the truly memorable stuff uh, sticks out and, you know, feels like a big deal. And if it really feels like a great narrative point is made by the time the story wraps up, because right now I'm not even sure what is being said beyond the idea that you know, that, that's the, the whole Men in Black ending where every world is, or every galaxy is just like a marble in someone else's world. So the idea that even our reality, like what we think of as God is just the writer of our fictional comic book or yeah. movie or TV show and so on and so on. Like other than that sort of broad idea and that the writer is kind of the God to the story that's being written. Like, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing, okay, how does this actually play into the I, themes of the story? I will say there is an in-depth, I think the final issue of the run, which is 26, mm-hmm. is an in-depth conversation basically addressing this. Okay. I'm glad, because I, I do think that it should be discussed. Uh, it's, the, the final issue of the run is one of the most memorable issues of any comic I've ever read. Okay. Okay. But obviously it's pretty good. Uh, I will give it uh, an 8.5. I think, uh, like I say, just uh, maybe a little bit too much of the trippy stuff that, uh, you know, no, some of it was very memorable, but some of it's just typical, oh, they see a big whale and there's a big, you know. <laughs> yeah, sure. Big bird but I, this, is, this is from what I recall, because this is like the back, you know, like back six, seven issues of the run now. But this is kind of where it starts to go, okay, it solidifies into this is what it's kind of all been leading mm. up to. And it, it starts to pull the threads together in a pretty satisfying way. Yeah. No, I'm looking forward to it. At least I found it satisfying. You, yeah, your I, mileage may vary. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and I, I think, you know, I've got some nitpicks here or there, but they're all little things by and large. Uh, it, does, it does feel genuinely unique and feels very Grant Morrison. So uh, fair, fair play on those fronts. So... There you go, that's Iron Man 19, which will take us out of the part of the show where we pick our favourite stuff of the week for it, panel slash more. Just, um, yeah. b- before we get onto all that, while we've been recording, um, I-, I did see the news drop that uh, George Perez passed away today. Oh, shit. Oh. Well, uh, if it wasn't today, it might have been yesterday, but they obviously only just announced the news. Yeah, I mean, obviously this is not a surprise. We, we knew he was uh, ill. Yeah, and... since, I think since November or so, something like that, yeah. when they announced that. Um, if anything, it's a surprise they announced it. Like, because you know, sometimes they'll keep the secret until they've passed away and say, "Yeah, we knew for months that this was coming." But uh, they chose. He's been very public about it yeah. the whole time. Yeah, yeah. They, he chose him and his family chose to let everyone know, and yeah, it's, it's been nice like seeing people celebrate him a little bit while he's still alive to see it and sort of receive yeah. the accolades and uh, stuff. Yeah, it's, it's been going on for you know a few months at this point, and. I'm sure there'll be a lot more of that over the next week or two. And Man, it, it, Perez so, and Neil Adams. And Neil Adams, yeah. like, just over a week apart, right? That's two, you know, genuine titans of, of the of the medium, just like, like that. Yeah, yeah. Especially, particularly when you think of the 70s and 80s, and a lot of what shaped the characters. Well, what we still are as modern, yeah. modern comics, they are defined by a lot of, like, what happened in that period. Because it's one thing to bring up, obviously, Golden Age creators, but, like, the versions of characters that really we like and were really solidified all kind of happened later. It was all Silver Age, Bronze Age. Artistically, a shift towards a more photorealistic style, right? Mm. Which we tend to still be using today for the most part. 
that kind of happened in that period. Yeah, well, okay. Uh, sadly, some a more yeah. that's two weeks in a row that we've, we've had to talk it about is. death. And let's say I think this one's it's less surprising. We've kind of known this one was coming for a you know a good few months now. It, it's it was it was it was a matter of just when, right? Yeah. Um, and I was, say, I mean, there's been a lot of support and you know tributes from artists and you know stuff all you know all over the last few months. Yeah, and Perez, you know he's. He's attached to some of the biggest things from DC in the eighties, especially. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's a lot of stuff like you know, Titans, but you know his Wonder Woman is still the basis for pretty much every Wonder Woman story today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Newton Titans and Wonder Woman in post crisis Wonder Woman alone are two of the most influential things. Yes, yeah. a huge. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So okay. Well, there you go. Uh, but so yeah. Part of the show, pick your favorite stuff of the week, favorite panel slash moment, favorite cover, favorite art, and top five books. Or in Connor's case, his favorite two I, I read Batman. <laughs> you better do Freak Out of a Day. You could put that at number two. Oh, I did, want. didn't I? Uh, so, yeah, all right, panel slash moment. We got. Um. Um. I, I'm quickly glancing through Batman to see see if I like it. I, I, I guess I'll just go with the. Uh... The, the final kind of page. Mainly the top half of it, though, with the, uh, you know, Deathstroke holding the body. Okay, okay. That's not a bad pick. Uh, I think I'd be more inclined to go with something from Killing Time. There's a few options to take. Uh, I think I'll go with the moment of Penguin being terrified of the help. Uh, it's a really good, just atmospheric moment. It's, just, it's, kind of, it's the final punch, you know, punctuation mark on his introduction in the issue. Uh, Good stuff. Uh, all right, favorite cover. What do you have? Uh, there's kind of only really two covers I really like this week. Um, the first is the Batman variant. Is this the uh, Jock variant? No, that one's okay, but I actually don't love it. Weirdly, as much as I thought I would, I think it's the uh, the Delato one. Oh, the red one. Yeah, yeah. Red one. Yeah. Uh, and the other one's the Smallwood cover for Killing Time. Yeah, that was one of the ones I had in contention. I, I had that in contention, uh, and I actually really like the main cover for uh, the Free Card Book Day issue. It's just, you know, it's, it's, you know Marquez, which is, or not Marquez, sorry, it's uh, Sam Pierre, uh, who's very good. Uh, you know, Sam Pierre and Marquez have a very similar style, actually, now I'm thinking about it. But that's, that's not I a... think Marquez is a bit cleaner, Yeah, but... Yeah, it's not a million miles apart. Uh, but yeah, the, the it's you know, simple. It's the Trinity, but then the, the new version of the Trinity sort of behind them of uh, Yara, John, and uh, and Jace. So, really yeah. good stuff. Um, I'll probably go with a small bit cover for Killing Time, though. I think that's my a pick. That's bad. I'll probably go. I'll go with the Delato one just to be slightly different. But it is definitely those two covers <laughs> for me that kind of are worth bringing up. That's fair. Uh, that art, I immediately got one because of <laughs> I suppose. It's not fair, because I don't even really like Howard Porter's art that much in this book. Uh, but you're giving it to him by default. This is why you should read more books. <laughs> well, maybe if they put out more books that were interesting. Um, yeah, for me, it's probably... I'm going to guess you're going to go with Marquez. Yeah, I mean, it's... Because it's pretty... if I was reading it, I probably would have gone with Marquez. Yeah, it's Marquez. I mean... Yeah, it's Romanico and Yannin. Um, Yannin on, on Flashpoint and Beyond is solid, but yeah, this Marquez. 
Uh, all right, cool. All right. <laughs> is there any point in asking you to rank your books? I, I don't know if there is. Batman. Uh, do, do you know what? I, I, quite, I quite like Batman this time. Okay. Uh, I am going to go with... All right, so number one was obviously Batman Killing Time for me. And then number two, we'll go with Batman. <laughs> number three, we'll go with Task Force Z. Number four, we'll go with Flashpoint Beyond. I'll leave the freak out about this special out of it because it's a weird small issue. Yeah, it's it's like the equivalent of throwing in one of the backups yeah. as somewhere in this. Yeah, and don't worry, Matt did send any specs. I'll just do all this. I just wanted to save it all to one batch. I wasn't going back and forth for the email. Uh, so his favorite moment was Jason Todd versus Zaz, the fight in Task Force said. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, Art was Marquez, not a surprise. Cover, mm-hmm. Killing Time, Smallwood Variant. Uh, man, of, man of fine taste, uh, I'm noticing here. Uh, and his rankings, number one was Killing Time, number two was Task Force Z, number three was Monkey Prince, number four was Batman, and number five was Flashpoint. Didn't he so, say Monkey Prince was losing him? And he had it in the middle, yes. I, I, I noticed that he, too. Um, otherwise, I'd say, obviously, like Task Force Z, a bit higher than I did, but otherwise, it's pretty similar to mine, just with Monkey Prince slightly in the, the middle. Yeah. Uh, so... Cool. All right, there you go. I will tell you what's coming next week from DC Comics, uh, and hopefully it's a little more varied than this week was. It is. We have Wonder Woman 787, and this is out of the the trial of the Amazons. So we're back to normal, so we'll be reading this. Uh, That's cool. Uh, So that's out next week. We have Superman, Son of Kal-El, issue 11. Two books that weren't Batman. Yeah. Batman Urban Legends, issue 15. Batgirls, issue 6. I Am Batman, (laughs) issue 9. Suicide Squad get Joker issue three. Oh, yeah, I forgot about this because it's been so long since issue two. And then we got Future State Gotham issue thirteen. We have Jurassic League issue one. I know Matt said he'd definitely be back because he has to talk about just like dinosaurs. Uh, okay, I'm I'm gonna hope Matt can uh, record on the Friday next week then because I would like to talk about just Justice League dinosaurs too. Uh, well, uh, we'll we'll find out. You go back into Matt, won't you? Uh, the Sandman Universe Nightmare Country issue two, Justice League versus Legion of Superheroes issue three. Uh, Matt's loving that, right? That's, yeah. say, that, that's yeah. the real reason Matt needs to be back next week. Talk about that. Uh, Naomi season two issue three, and Batman the Night Compendium edition issue one. Is this just the first? I was just collecting the first, first three, three issues. Okay. Yeah. Uh, cool. So yeah, yeah, a bit more varied there. Some interesting things. Planning on catching up for Nightmare Country, giving that first issue a shot. I hadn't thought about it. Maybe, I don't know. How many have I got? I got, got Naomi, I got Jurassic League, I got Batgirl, Son of Kal-El, and Wonder I got five. It's a nice varied, though, because, you know, three of them are not super, uh, not, not Batman books, so it was a nice it's true. mix. If you read Nightmare Country, it's also not a Batman book. That is true. Maybe I'll consider it. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll consider it. Or maybe I'll not, just to spite you. I, I would expect you to do that, to be honest with you, but... Mm. I, I genuinely think you would have enjoyed it. It's it's tiny yeah, and horrible. Yeah, maybe you I like would. Those. There is a once in a while it's nice for a book that you two have read that I've not because I get like it's there's still conversation, so it's still not just one person because it's definitely always better when there's two people talking about a book it than is, one. Yeah. But so I don't have to feel guilty, but I get to relax for ten minutes, <laughs> get rest you of the do. voice. You do, you do. But it is a good book, <laughs> so I'm okay with that. Um, 
but yeah. So that's what's coming next week. Uh, so by all means, um, I will now thank our Patreon producers for the month, and I hope I, I really hope I remember to go, you know, swap that part where I did the Batman bit for Matt later and go back because I, I I'm worried that I'm going to forget and it's just going to be stupid now in the middle of the show. He's just going to have you go like, no, definitely not editing this in. It's not even in the right place. <laughs> uh, so yeah, thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Short, Board Now, Christopher Moy, David Brown, Al Treisman, and Alison M. Fordyce. Uh, they are Patreon producers for the month at one of the higher tiers. But of course, you can support everything we do and keep the content coming for as little as $1 per month at patreon.com slash mailfuzztv. Uh, the $5 tier, you get it. You get the show early. You get it on the whenever it's ready in the Saturday night versus the time it goes out on the Sunday. If that's of interest, go check it out. Uh, if you are in the UK, it's, you know, it's late. It's, it's after midnight because that's the, how long it takes to edit, process, and upload and YouTube for it to do its processing you know, the whole thing takes takes time but you'll get it as soon as it's out of the oven uh but yeah uh, go, go check out all that if you want to uh as far as promoting other stuff uh that we we make at mail fuzz movies and mail fuzz tv uh this week star trek strange new worlds started the review of that will be up before this goes out so go check it out and you can also check out uh, the the recent episode of Screams After Midnight on Mail Fuzz Movies. Myself and Tim talked about the first Final Destination movie and see how that holds up 22 years after it came out. Does it hold up? Um, well, I feel the same about it as I did back then. So, I mean, I, su- I suppose in a sense it does. <laughs> Fun but overrated? I think the first one takes itself too seriously. I think Fair Edition 2 is where it found its balance and tone. That's fair. Uh, Although, let's be fair, there's a, there's a lot of beloved horror franchises where the first film is not the best. Not everyone agrees with me, though. Some people really like the first one. I, I think it's I think it's a little bit too over the top with uh, talking about death's grand design. And so I, I will say, I... I... Many months ago at this point, I muted Doctor Strange and uh, whatever the film's called, whatever the subtitle is on Twitter, uh-huh. so that when it comes out, I didn't have to see all the stuff. I didn't even realize it was out or is coming out this week, if it's not already, because That's out, yeah. my Twitter, yeah, my Twitter has been almost free of it, and it has been, it, it was, it's been blissful. I, I, I didn't even notice. Yeah, I actually except. Oh. Go on. I was gonna say I actually looked up some spoilers because I didn't care. I, I didn't, but if I see them, I don't care. It, it's not. I, I'm not blocking it because I don't want to see spoilers. It's there mm-hmm. just because I I just don't want to hear about it. But I did see like you know, every, you know, there'll be like a thing or two that sneaks past your filter, right? Because they're not using the right combination of words. Because mm-hmm. I don't want to just block Doctor Strange. Because people might want to talk about Doctor Strange comics that I might want to see those tweets about. So you got you got to be careful. <laughs> and there was one. It was it was someone laughing. It was a screenshot of going, "Hey, yeah." Uh, if if you've got problems with with gore, maybe don't go see Doctor Strange because it's it's intensely gory. And they went, it's Final Destination levels of gore, and it was sort of just yes, yeah, that face you pulled there, just just laughing at them, going, oh, really? That's that's your level of intense, is it? Okay, sure. Uh... <laughs> so I, I'm sure it's not actually that bad. It, it, it's probably nothing. It's it's I'm pretty sure it's still PG thirteen. Yes, I'm I'm sure it is. Uh... Yeah, yeah. Matt's review on Twitter that I noticed was pretty like he liked some things about it, but he also thought it was kind of a mess. So, so it's a Marvel movie. Yeah, I also saw one review say it was the, the, the it was worse than Thor: The Dark World. Some people are not impressed with it. 
Oh boy, that's that's a low bar. That's down there with the worst of the Marvel movies. Mm. So who knows? Who knows? Uh, I just don't care enough about it to go see it. I'll, I'll I'll put it on when it's available for free, <laughs> and that's that's the only so time. About three months on Disney Plus. Ah, uh, that's assuming I get to it right away. It may be more of a. I just mean that'll uh, all be when it's available for free, not when you'll immediately go. Oh, I must watch Doctor Strange right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm just not even remotely excited. Uh, but hey, not the end of a downer, and <laughs> uh, you can you can tell me the the all, all the fascinating, interesting spoilers when once we hit stop. All right. Well, that is comics from the Multiverse episode three or four. Uh, the only thing I've not done is probably say go to the Twitter at DC Comics Podcast and uh, follow us on there and support the show in other ways by liking, subscribing, sharing us out, all that kind of stuff. Uh, all of it does help. So thank you for joining us, and uh, uh, hopefully all three of us will be here next week. Uh, kind of Matt's schedule, depending on if, if we can move the day or not, because yeah. I know I'm working on the on the Saturday, unfortunately. Uh, so, but at least me and Matt, you may you may you may have Connor again, you may not. We will find out. <laughs> Life will find a way, but either way, we'll see you then. So thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC comics, and remember to never get lost in the Speed Force.